The world is a beautiful but challenging place to live. And let's face it, life hits hard sometimes. So if you find your hopes and dreams and mental well-being needs a boost, you're tuned in to the right podcast. Welcome to Inspire Us with your host, Jay Paul Nadeau, a former hostage negotiator turned motivational speaker and acclaimed author of Take Control of Your Life. And now, here's your host, Jay Paul Nadeau. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Inspire Us. I am your host, Jay Paul Nadeau. We're going to have some good times here. Today, I'm going to be talking about taking small steps, action. You know what? A lot of people have these great ideas, but they just don't follow through with action, do they? They have these great visions and these wishes and these hopes, whatever you call them, but they just don't follow through with action. A thought is not enough. You need to take a few steps in order to get to where you want to be. Now, how do we do that? If it seems overwhelming, that is a part of self-sabotage. That is your mind saying that you just can't handle this. It's far too much for you. You have to challenge that thought. You have to challenge that thought and move beyond it. How do you do that? Well, vision without action is pointless, and action without vision is purposeless. Have your vision in mind, but do not sabotage it by overthinking to the point of inaction. Don't worry about that. Take action by taking small steps. Thinking too big will overwhelm you, and if, if you become overwhelmed, you'll sabotage yourself by giving into the fear of not being able to take the actions you need to take, because... It's so much work, or I just can't do it, and you'll stop before you begin. Bridges are not built in a day, nor are skyscrapers. They are built piece by piece, and so it must be with what we undertake. It may take some time to get to where we want to be in life, and it will take work. But in the words of ancient philosopher Lao Tzu, who once said, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Taking things one step at a time helps you focus on the steps you're taking to get to where you want to be, while not overwhelming you by simply focusing on the outcome. Focus on the process. Take it one step at a time. Do whatever it is that you need to do. Changing anything is a process. Achieving your dreams and your goals is a process. Remember that what you are trying to reach by building your bridge one piece at a time will get you to where you want to be if you put the work into it. And every piece you fit into your design is an accomplishment worth celebrating. It's also a great way to take control of your life by doing. And by doing, you'll be discovering. Discovering things about yourself, what it is that you're doing, what it is that you're made of, how to lay the next piece down, and so on. Enjoy the journey, folks, and make the most of it. What you put into each step or piece will determine the quality of the outcome. We can't control the outcome. We already know that. But we can certainly control the steps within our control. And what you put into it is what you'll get out of it. All right. So that's my little spiel today on really achieving what it is that you want to achieve in life. Today, I am going to put on another Clubhouse broadcast. This time, 
It is for the October 1st, 2022 Clubhouse Room recording. I'll tell you, I get so much from each and every one of these rooms, and I'm certain that you do as well. If you're listening to these recordings and you're hearing some amazing people, you're hearing people just like you coming up and raising their hand and saying, I'm struggling with something. Can you help me? And when you really, truly listen to them, you recognize that you're more similar to them than you are different. And it may be that they're hitting on something that you're struggling with as well. And our moderators pour into them, and it's just absolutely amazing. So I've gone on for just over four minutes now, and I just want to say to you that I appreciate you listening to the podcast. If you're thinking of picking up some material that will help you deal with self-sabotage, I do have a book called Take Control of Your Life, published by HarperCollins back in 2018, and it is available to you. You can find it on Amazon, most other places where they sell books online. It is a great resource. But remember this, folks. Go live your life intentionally. You only get one shot at this, and time is not guaranteed to anyone. So live it deliberately. Wake up every day with a spirit of gratitude. Choose your attitude for the day and your courage for the day, and clothe your inner self with that wonderful creation that you choose to bring to the world. Thank you, and now, Clubhouse Audio, October 1st of twenty. 22. So let's get uh, started. It is 12 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, here. And uh, I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pass the microphone over to King and then over to Robert. And we have a couple of hands up. I see that uh, King is in charge of getting you up on stage. And so, King, if you can you know, introduce yourself and just uh, let us know what you do and, and feel free to post something above here, uh, letting people know what you do. And uh, we'll do the same with Robert. Over to you, King. Thanks, Paul. Um, hi, everyone, and welcome to the Negotiate Your Way Out of Self-Sabotage Room. As Paul may have mentioned earlier, if you do want to come up and join us, just raise up your hand and we'll get you into the queue. But if you aren't able to join, just make sure uh, I mean, sorry, if you aren't able to join, you can always uh, pop uh, something into the room chat, which will be open uh, for the duration of the room. And so, hi, I'm King, and I'm a social media and communications strategist. And so I help people, um, you know, with, uh, you know, planning out their uh, communication strategies, whether they want to build their brands, whether there's a product or service they want to launch, um, or whatever other struggles they run into in the digital age. I uh, help them plan and execute those uh, uh, types of things, but I'm also a travel influencer as well. So I blog, vlog, and uh, just uh, talk about travel as much as I can. It's one of my slight obsessions as well. So uh, those are the two things that kind of rock my world. And uh, with that, I'm going to pass the microphone over to Robert. So Robert, if you are ready to speak, uh, the stage is yours. Thank you, King. Thank you, Paul. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, my name is Robert Nadeau. I am Paul's brother. Um, I've been coming to this room for, for a number of months now, and, and I, I always say this because it's true. I get as much out of the room as I contribute. In fact, I get more out of the room than I think I, I, I contribute. So a little bit about me. Um, my profession, I've been, uh, I'm a lawyer. 
Uh, I'm a lawyer in Canada, uh, but uh, that's not really, I think, <laughs> the most exciting part of my background. It's just what I do for a living. Uh, I'm, uh, uh, that's, uh, uh, my background, I think what I bring to this room is uh, I, my undergrad was in philosophy and I majored in the history of philosophy and science. And I have had a lifelong passion and learning, continuous learning and critical thinking, which I continue to believe that critical thinking is perhaps our best tool, our best ability, our best skill to try to withstand all the insanity that is circulating uh, around our world is that if we can stay grounded in critical thinking, always questioning the assumptions that we have, our own assumptions, beginning with our own assumptions, as Socrates said, the unexamined life is not worth living. Um, but more than that, questioning our own assumptions, because we often operate, in fact, we always operate on assumptions. And if we don't question our own assumptions, uh, we really don't have any right uh, or uh, to question other people's assumptions. But we should always question the assumptions on which our decisions are based. And so uh, that's what I do. And also, uh, I guess, um, uh, occupationally, I'm also a mentalist. I'm an entertainer. A mentalist is a form of magic. It's a magic that creates the illusion of mind reading. I have performed in, in uh, Las Vegas, New York, Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa. Uh, my tagline is magic for the intelligent mind. And perhaps King, at some point you could put the link up to my, uh, to my website and anybody's interested. And so with that, Paul, I thank you so much and I turn it back to you. Thank you so much. I see that Dr. Allison has joined us as well as Michelle. So over to Dr. Allison for an introduction. Over to you, Dr. Allison. And let us know if you are offering anything, any support or anything for people um, what uh, what business uh, you're you're doing and and uh, that kind of thing. So thank you. Awesome, Paul. Thank you so much. Good morning, everyone. I'm Dr. Allison Okluffy. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and a educational psychologist here in California. I'm also a consulting psychologist for the state of California. Registered yoga teacher, mindfulness-based stress reduction facilitator, and. I guess my offerings are a little eclectic because I work with criminal defense attorneys in Silicon Valley to work, uh, assess neuropsychological and psychological factors to help um, both the prosecutors and the defense attorneys find a middle ground so we can work on rehabilitation, increasing rehabilitation and reducing recidivism. But I also have a YouTube channel where I focus on my first love, which is education. Um, I started my career as a teacher and an educator, and I teach people how to use pranayama breath work and their bodies to come and soothe themselves, to feel better about themselves, to just have a better sense of self-awareness and self-regulatory, self-soothing tools. And I feel that um, after working in K-12 and university and prisons, <laughs> Um, when people love and accept themselves unconditionally, they're more civil, they're more open to learning and growing and developing and being a part of society. And life is just better for everyone around them and for themselves. And so, um, and I find that it's been really important for my path as well. It's on my YouTube channel. There's also a free one on my website because some people don't like um, to sit through YouTube ads. The only way to get around that is um, to subscribe to YouTube. So uh, I think that's about it. Uh, if you wanna learn anything else about me, my web address is on my profile, so is my YouTube address. And uh, looking forward to our conversations as I do every Saturday morning. Thank you. 
Thank you, Dr. Allison. Yeah, what a great service. And we all need that, that in our lives. So thank you. Michelle, over to you. Well, good now, everyone. Oh, my goodness. Here we are again. I, over a year, right, Paul? A year and change. Um, I am a transformational coach and trainer. I've also been a management consultant doing strategic planning and organizations for the last 25 years. And truly, my passion is people. Uh, I find, you know, each person is like a diamond, unique and rare. And it's just just such an honor to be able to work with people and to be in life with people, you know, never mind my clients. I just, I adore being in and amongst other human beings, which isn't to say I don't also love to be in nature in solitude by myself, but I don't know. I feel like it's such a gift to be on this planet and uh, to meet other people because we all are unique, you know, like snowflakes, no two alike and or fingerprints and never again and so it's just such i don't know an exquisite opportunity to invest my time in being curious and seeing the wonder of different people and so that's what i've devoted my life to and i really do support people to break through their limiting beliefs to see their limiting beliefs to see patterns uh to see habitual ways of thinking some of them not even our own that we've, you know, chosen as our mantle and cloak and which, you know, worked well to a certain extent, but also limit us in other ways. So it's really just uncovering those thoughts, those beliefs, those assumptions, um, the patterns, the how we respond to our emotions. It just brings me nothing but joy to stand with people to find their self uh, at their highest purpose and also discover meaning and who they truly are. So that's why I so love being here with you, Paul, because you open up uh, so much opportunity for people to feel safe and to let down their guard to really hear how they can support their next level of evolution. So I'm here to listen, to learn, and um, to add in where I can. Mike, back to you. Thank you so much, uh, Michelle, so much. Yeah, and you know what? It's not me. It's it's us, the moderation uh, team that I put together are wonderful people, and I'm so happy that everybody's here. And Dr. Norman, so pleased to see you here today. I'm going to turn the microphone over to you for an introduction. Over to you, Dr. Norman. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see my friends. Um, I am um, happy to be here for as much time as I can. I'm uh, in, in, the, in the middle of a, of a day of seeing patients in my office. Um, I'm a clinical psychologist and uh, I, I continue to study until I, uh, I can't anymore because I want to learn as much as I can teach. And uh, I love coming to these rooms so I can actually have um, an opportunity to, to learn as well as teach. I um, I, I specialize in trauma and bereavement, and um, as a result of that, have a very existential and very archetypal view of our existence in this world. I uh, started out in my career very Freudian, and I've turned quite spiritual. And I'm very happy to be here to, to share what I can. And I want to say on a personal note, I had the greatest dinner with Paul Nadeau last night in New York City, and I'm so honored to call you my good friend. Thank you.
Likewise, uh, Dr. Norman, you know, to see uh, someone that we know and respect and like uh, face to face and then to see if it clicks and the chemistry between Dr. Norman and I just meeting and seeing that person, this wonderful person in, in human form was amazing. The conversation was excellent. So thank you so much. It's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. And I got a picture and I, <laughs> I got a memory there. So thank you. And thanks to each and every one of my moderators uh, for joining me here today and for sharing your experiences here and just for pouring into everybody. I'm Paul Nadeau and yes, Michelle, it's been just over a year, a year to bit, almost, almost two years. Um, King and I started and then you jumped in and then I think it was Jill that jumped in next and just we built such a great platform here. Now look at us all. So I just wanted to, before I start speaking, just want to acknowledge Murray being here and Peter and Tay-Z. Michael, I see you, Tattooed, Mary, nice to have you join us. Christopher, GT, Andy, my friend, uh, Dr. Finance. I've been on his wonderful show and please follow him here on Clubhouse. He's amazing. Patricia, you're here. Gillian, Shia, Leaning, Antonio, Rebel, and uh, Shmalia. I think I got that wrong, but Andre, uh, Andre, Ahmad, Megan, Bernice, Karen, Claus, uh, Khadija, and Bella. Thank you guys. Thank you for being here. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm Paul Nadeau. I'm a former hostage negotiator, but the reason I put this room together is that as a, a child, uh, my brother Robert and I suffered a lot of abuse from a tortured father. And I had to learn how to believe in myself and how to get that confidence I needed to survive because for the longest time I didn't. And it was a struggle. But something happened that changed my life, and I went on to become a police officer. I promised to myself that I would become a police officer so I could arrest people like my father. My father didn't give me an opportunity to do that. That's another story. But I ended up becoming a police officer and realizing that the things that I had learned, that I had taken into my life to help me, could also help others. And I had the great fortune of working in the Special Victims Unit and working as a hostage negotiator and just sharing and being present for people who were going through their traumas and their difficult times. I was taught by great psychiatrists, by great leaders, and what I discovered, I tried to share with others, especially when they had gone through difficult times. So when this wonderful application came up uh, in uh, 2000 and when was it 20 when this uh, first opened um, king reached out to me and said hey you want to jump on this and i thought yeah this is good <laughs> i've been lonely uh, locked up in my place it's kind of nice to speak to people which it is it's beautiful look at this platform and from there i decided that i was going to start a room on help helping people get through their self-sabotage what i'd like to do is what i do for every room i adopted this not too long ago and if you've heard it before, you can go grab a coffee, but many people have not heard this little spiel that I, that I say about what self-sabotage is as I understand it. And I want that to be clear. We don't dispense um, therapeutic advice here in this room. Although we have wonderful doctors, we are speaking from our personal experiences and yes, from some of the education, but it's not therapy, guys. It's, it's not meant to replace therapy. 
if anybody is struggling with something that's hard, difficult, please go out, get a counselor, get a doctor and get that help that you need. You know what? We're more similar than we are different. Everybody is struggling with something. Everybody is going through their own version of hell. And I don't want anyone out there to think that you're alone in this. You're not. You know, when you think about sabotage, self-sabotage, two words, self-sabotage. Sabotage, the definition, I, I looked it up, and it includes to deliberately destroy, damage, or obstruct something. When we're reading the news or watching the news and we hear of an act of sabotage, then we know that somebody deliberately did something. They, they lit a fire, they, they had an explosion, whatever they did. They did something deliberate to prevent something from moving forward. They, they wanted to destroy, damage, or obstruct something. Now let's take a look at the words self-sabotage. Self-sabotage refers to behaviors or thought patterns that yes, deliberately or may deliberately destroy, damage, or obstruct us from moving forward. Awareness is key. Awareness of how you're feeling. You're feeling blue. You're feeling anxious. You're feeling a tightness in your chest. It is our responsibility then to police that and say, why am I feeling this way? What are the thoughts that I'm thinking about that's making me feel? Why am I so angry all the time? Why am I this? Why am I that? So self-sabotage refers to those behaviors and thought patterns that hold us back and prevent us from doing or experiencing what it is we'd like to do and experience from living the life we deserve to live. But guess what? We can take control of our lives. We can. That responsibility is ours. There are so many people who don't want to argue their self-limiting limitations. They say something to themselves, I must be this, I must be that, and they don't argue it. They just adapt it. And if the conscious mind adapts the lie that you have been told or that you're telling yourself, the unconscious mind, who is merely a group of thoughts or, or whatever it is, and I can't explain it, Another one of these doctors, wonderful doctors would be able to, but what the unconscious mind, if you, you were to take a look at the mind as being, the conscious mind is the captain of the ship, the unconscious mind are all its crew. So if the captain of the ship says, I can't do this, there's no way I can lose this weight, there's no way that I can repair this relationship, then once the captain of the ship says that, all its crew says, captain says, we can't do it. Let's shut it down. We can't do this. There's no way we can do this. So they respond according to what the conscious mind says. So some examples of this self-sabotage include blaming others when things go wrong. When things go wrong in a job, in a relationship, uh, even you know with, with your significant other, you say, well, you know what? It's not my fault. It, it, I, I, it was my boss's fault. It was all those those men talking about me behind my back at work. It was all those women talking about me behind my back. They couldn't let me do my job. I couldn't do it. It's their fault. So we blame others when things go wrong without sitting and listening for a moment and just challenging that, as Robert said a little bit earlier, taking a look at that and examining what it is that you may be doing wrong. And so stop pointing the finger at others start pointing the finger at yourself and then take it from there.
Another one is not being accountable to yourself or to others. Uh, you don't keep your promises to yourself. I promise I'm going to go to the gym. I'm making this my resolution. I'm starting something new. I'm writing it up. No, you know what? It's Friday. I've done this for three days. It's a little bit much. I, I don't want to do that anymore. So when we don't be go through with the promises that we make our, to ourselves, and just as importantly, if not even more importantly, to the promises that we make others. I'll be there for you. I'll help you. You can call me anytime. Yes, uh, I, I promise you I will be there for that special event. And then we don't. Well, that is an act of self-sabotage because the sabotage comes when it damages and destroys the relationship that you have with that other person where they stop trusting you. Another one is choosing to walk away when things go wrong. Very similar to blaming others when things go wrong. You choose to walk away. Hey, this is too much. <laughs> I don't want to deal with this. What? You've got an opinion? You want to tell me something I'm doing wrong? You know what? I don't want this. I'm out of here. See you later. No. Hey, we've got to talk about this. No, we don't. No, we don't. No, I'm going to walk away. Um, I don't like where this conversation's going. I'm not going to sit down. You're not going to attack me. You know, and then you walk away. That's an example of self-sabotage. Another one is procrastination and feeling overwhelmed. If it's something that you can do, and this is why I say procrastination isn't necessarily uh, a, an act of sabotage if you are not able to handle something. For example, there's no way that I can go to an electrical panel and fix it. If it broke down and I said, well, I just want, I'm procrastinating. I just want, don't want to do that. Well, the underlying thought there is that I just, I'm not equipped. I don't have the, I don't have the skills to do that. So that procrastination has to be turned into action. I have to call somebody then to help me. If it's a, if it's something that I, if I have to move all the things from my home, I can't do it alone. There's no way I'm going to call a mover, professional mover. However, if you're procrastinating because it's something that you can do and it's just too much, then that is an act of self-sabotage. Uh, self and a wonderful uh, book I read, Atomic Habits, uh, suggests that we take it just a couple of minutes at a time, just a little bit at a time. It's like going to the gym. You can't go to the gym and expect to have a, a fantastic, healthy body in just two, three days. No, you've got to be consistent. So take it one step at a time. Picking fights is another one. Picking fights with friends or partners when you're not seen or you feel that you're not being heard. Nobody's listening to me or you're not listening to me. In your mind, you're saying to yourself, I really don't feel like you see me. I really don't feel like you even pay attention to anything I'm doing. And so instead of of saying those words or something similar, sitting down with your partner, your friend, uh, even at work or whatever, instead of saying, I'm really feeling that you're not listening to me or I'm not being heard. Instead of doing that, you pick a fight and you pick a fight for no apparent good reason. And it's just to get that interaction. Hey, do you see me now? Well, <laughs> that happens. Dating people you know aren't right for you. You go back to the same toxic relationships or you start telling yourself that you have no value. Why do I always attract a loser? Why do I always attract somebody who cheats on me? Why do I always attract this type of person? Listen to what you're saying. Why do I always attract a cheater? Why do I always attract this? What energy are you pouring out into the universe? Because what you are thinking, the energy that you're 
putting out there is what you're going to get in return. Somebody who is going back to that toxic relationship and they're dwelling in it and they're saying, it's always going to happen to me. It's always going to happen because guess what? I'm going to attract a loser. That energy is going to go out to the loser in the crowd and the loser is going to say, hey, there's somebody I, I can link up with. Yeah, we're on the same energy vibe. Hey, baby, here I am. And then the two of them start to have this toxic relationship as opposed to the person who says, why do I, wait a minute, let me change the narrative here. I don't and I won't attract this type of person. What must I do to attract a high quality person? What must I do to be that person that, that sends out that energy that attracts the right person and then do the work? It's not enough just to think about doing the work, you've gotta do the work. And it's the same thing with our thoughts and our minds, um, the things, the lies that we tell ourselves, not enough to just say, well, here I am, I'm feeling so bad. No, you gotta do something about it. You gotta put uh, your boxing gloves on, go out into the ring and just do the work. Um, trouble stating our needs and desires with family and friends and at work, in romantic relationships or in everyday interactions is another one. We're afraid uh, we're being too nice. We want to be these people that are so nice. We don't even, you know, we don't give a peep because we are trying to keep the peace or we're just trying to be people pleasers. So we keep our needs and desires to ourselves when it comes with family, friends, we're at work, romantic relationships or whatever. I uh, remember earlier on, and Michelle and King may remember this as well, that we used to have a lot of young people, career people, doctors, lawyers, who would come in this room in the very beginning and say, my life sucks. I really am not having a good time. I'm depressed all the time. And we would ask, why is that? And they'd say, well, my parents insisted that I become this, this uh, counselor, this lawyer, this doctor, whatever. And it wasn't the life I wanted. I wanted to be a magician, I wanted to be an entertainer, I wanted to be an artist, and I never followed my dreams. Well, that is so sad because many people who don't follow their dreams, but follow the dreams of others, end up committing suicide, uh, end up feeling unfulfilled, and they don't live the life that they deserve to live. Now, I'm sorry for going on so long, I'm just gonna add a couple of more, but putting ourselves down, folks, it's listening to those voices that sound just like us. Those stupid little voices jump in our heads and they have our voice and they say, you know what, Paul, <laughs> you're a loser. There's no way you can do that. There's no way you can, you can accomplish this thing. And you, know, you ever thought that you're not worthy of this? You ever thought that nobody loves you? You ever thought that maybe you, know, you should just quit and you should just stop doing it? and you should maybe even hurt yourself? Do you ever think uh, that maybe you should turn to, you know, to, to booze and stuff like that just to dull the pain? You ever thought of doing that? Well, those voices jump in and they are putting ourselves down or they are, they are pushing us towards something that we should not be experiencing or doing. So, so those are some of the thoughts that I have on self-sabotage. And there are many things that we can do and I, one of the things that I mentioned from the very beginning of this was awareness. Be aware of what you're thinking, what you're entertaining, and be prepared to be strong enough to tell those thoughts to get the hell out. You can challenge them. You can challenge them and say, no way, you don't control me. I control you. 
And those are my thoughts on that. So having done that, uh, that little talk now, I'm going to turn it over to King for a room reset. King, are you able to give us a room reset? Uh, yes, Paul, thanks. And uh, welcome to everyone who has joined us for our Negotiate Your Way Out of Self-Sabotage Room. And of course, this room happens every Saturday at t uh, noon Eastern time. And of course, the uh, room is hosted by the Take Control of Your Life Club. So if you haven't already joined the club, tap the greenhouse above my head. And for anyone that does want to come on stage to... Um, share any thoughts or comments they might have around uh, overcoming self-sabotage just raise up your hand and we'll get you up on stage as soon as we can the room runs for about two hours so if you are thinking of coming up on stage raise up your hand sooner rather than later to make sure you get yourself in the queue because we will close off hand raising as soon as we have enough people on stage uh, to fill the two hours and also I do ask that anyone that does want to come up to make sure that you do have something written in your bios because we do try to keep the space as safe as we possibly can so we just want to make sure that uh, you are a real person um, and also not a bot or someone looking to disrupt the stage. So make sure that you do have something in your uh, in your bio and ideally a social media account attached as well too. But uh, we will uh, judge it on a case-by-case -case basis. But if you aren't able to come up on stage, the room chats are open and will be open for the entire duration of the room. So pop any thoughts you might have in there or any questions and we'll do our best to address it as soon as we can. And finally, as well, too, uh, you know, if you know anyone that might benefit from this conversation or someone that might have something to contribute, make sure you ping them into the room. And also, we'd really appreciate it as well if you would share the room uh, so that everyone knows uh, that uh, this is something that perhaps they might be interested in. And of course, you could share it, whether it be on here on Clubhouse or Twitter um, or whatever platforms you'd like to use. That'd be, uh, you know, really, really great. And we really, really are thankful uh, for you to uh, for your assistance in helping us uh, sort of spread the good word about all the amazing stuff in the room. And finally, you know, Clubhouse is all about making connections. And so if you haven't already started, um, take a look around the room, you know, to your left, to your right, and read everyone's bios. And because there's just so many amazing people here, I mean, you could start with my amazing moderators up here on stage and the amazing speakers that are here as well. And, you know, Chad, you know, take, take a look at their bios. And uh, if uh, someone's story resonates with yours, just connect with them and connect with them, not just here on Clubhouse, but connect with them off platform on Instagram or Twitter as well, because it gives you a chance to get to know them better. And also to, you know, perhaps, you know, reach out to them and uh, form a deeper connection with them. And, you know, just because the world is, you know, made so much better when we have friends. And uh, this is definitely one way of meeting new people and uh, adding new people into your world. So make sure you take a look around while you're in the room and uh, reach out to someone who you uh, resonate with and who you connect, who you want to connect with. And I think I've covered just about everything there. So Paul, I'm going to hand the microphone back over to you if you are ready to get us started. I sure am. And thank you for that. And as King said, when you're on this app, you can meet some amazing people. And I certainly have. And uh, a testament to that is Dr. Norman and I having dinner in New York yesterday and a great conversation and just getting to know each other. Michelle, I'm going to be picking on you next because uh, I'd like to yeah, I want to see you before. I yes, leave. me so, too. Yeah. And, and you know what, guys? Um, so many great things have happened uh, to me and for me on this app. I've met some beautiful people and made some relationships that will be life lasting. So just know this, that you can do the same. And when you reach out, as King said, you know, even off this app, magic happens. Really, you can connect with people. I do warn you, though, 
there are some people out there who are not who they say they are and they are um they're going to take you and they may hurt you um they may take you for money they may use you whatever just be very careful if you jump into a room and there's somebody who's just doesn't seem right and the conversation is going badly and and they're using you and they're they're always you know doing something that you're not feeling right about it's okay to push that little hand that says leave quietly and just get the hell out of there because there's a lot of those characters on this application some of them will take your money some of them will use your name some of them will do all kinds of things so just be very careful out there but then there are people like my moderators here that are just awesome so let's do that all right so thank you so much and Murray, you are our first speaker of the day so thank you very much um, oh before Murray. Um, Michelle back channeled me that uh, her picture seemed to appear at the top uh, left of the room. Same thing happened to me yesterday. I jumped into a room to help co-moderate in a room on negotiations. That's what happened to me. So if you're having problems with the application here today, it's likely just a software uh, glitch and uh, that would be it. So Murray, thank you for your patience. Over to you. Well, hi, good morning, everybody. Uh, first off, my personal, very closest friends know, do not call Mare on Saturday morning from 9 to 11 because she's in her number one favorite clubhouse room. And I, there are numerous. I love Bobby Del Rio's rooms. He's down below. God love him. But this is my number one favorite. I make it, I make it very, very clear. The gratitude room is another, is like, you know, one of mine, but... First off, uh, once again, Dr. Allison, there isn't a day that I don't think about you because of what you sent me and I made a hard copy and maybe one time I will read it, poss possibly in the gratitude room. And um, also uh, my, my darling friend, my darling friend, Paul Vato, who uh, Dr. Norman spoke about, is going to be sleeping on my He's going to be sleeping on my couch because he's coming to L.A. to do something. And he knows, you know, that he, that he, he, he knows that I have a couch for him. And another thing I would like to say is she's not here. I was hoping she would be. I call her my mother. She calls me her daughter, uh, Zizi. You all, you all know Zizi very well. She's on her way to uh, Cairo today. And she really wanted me to to be there to go to Cairo. And I said, Zizi, I just can't pick up and go to Cairo right now. But maybe, I don't think she's listening, but I, she knows because we back channel back and forth. The other thing I want to say is uh, I'm so grateful that actually my, my closest girlfriend and her husband, who's a well-known musician, uh, he, they moved to Sarasota, Florida and, uh, I'm in correspondence with her every day. They had to evacuate, but they are safe. And I've been getting, and they took Monkey the cat. They're safe. I am so grateful that they are safe. And I have another close friend in, in Hollywood, Florida, but she wasn't hit. So I know that there is so much going on in our world. And, you know, I feel... I feel helpless. I'm an animal activist. I feel helpless. What can I do? So I probably will be contributing 
to Florida uh, for uh, an animal organization. Uh, so anyway, I'm happy to be here and uh, thank you. And Robert, uh, I don't know if you're aware of uh, the theater company. It's an equity company that I'm with. We Once a year, we have musicians coming from the famous Magic Castle. They put on a three-day show for us and nobody gets paid all the proceeds go to our theater. And so I'm around magicians all the time. In fact, one of our head musicians, magicians, is in New York right now in a big Broadway, off-Broadway show called Our Man in Santiago. So any of you New Yorkers right now who are in this room, make sure you see that show. That's our, that's, it started at our company, Theater West, and we got the funds. We are now in New York, off-Broadway. Thank you, everybody. Happy Saturday and love to everybody. And Peter, you know how I feel about you. Not you, your dog. Okay, everybody. Thank you. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Murray, you always uh, bring a sunshine into this room. It's a it's a rainy day here in New York, but you brought some sunshine in. So thank you so much. Um, love your shares. I, I really do. And I love your heart. Uh, what you said, there's so much going on in this world. And, and Robert and King and I, before uh, other moderators uh, were joining us this morning, we were talking about the state of the world as it is right now with all the conflict, all the uncertainty and everything that's going on. Uh, the devastations, just the, the hurricanes, the displacement, the deaths, everything. And you brought up a point. You said, you feel helpless, but what can I do? And you had a solution for that. And this is what we must all ask ourselves is what can I do? And sometimes it is a donation. Sometimes it is a letter. Uh, sometimes it is a post, whatever. Um, there are so many amazing ways of, of reaching out and supporting and helping people. I remember I had one young lad on my my podcast a long time ago and this young man was about uh, 16 or 17 he's gay and uh, he had a lot of people reach out to him he has a very popular uh, instagram account and people were sending him messages and private messages and every christmas he had about 300 to 400 names and he would do a card for each and every one of them he got their addresses he wrote them a christmas card and he sent them that was his way of reaching out and helping us to support these these people that were reaching out to him just saying hey have a merry christmas you matter and there are so many ways in which we can do that that's the thing when we see something going on and we hear the news and we're thinking what is it that i can do well you can send just uh, your well wishes. You can you can pick up the phone. You can dial it. You can donate. You can do something. You can you can go out uh, in the winter time with socks and and uh, mittens and give them out to the homeless. There's so many things that we can do. Thank you so much, Marie, for that wonderful share. I really appreciate you. And um, I am going to open it up to my moderators for anything that you might want to add. Paul, it's Michelle. Just really quickly, Marae, I just wanted to say um, one of the things that I really respect about who you are is the way that you are very loyal to your friends, uh, that your friendships, those relationships are so key to you that you invest in them and um, that you honor so many of those people in your life. And 
Um, I'm just so thrilled to hear that ZZ did get on the plane. And for many of you who don't know who ZZ is, ZZ is a force of nature herself. She lives uh, in Canada, uh, I think. I don't know. I don't think she's in Toronto, but she's she's in Ottawa, I think. And um, she is herself like a story of triumph uh, and a story of love and a story of, you know, not letting let's say culture prescribed for her what her life looks like. And, you know, she's at a place where she really came onto this app uh, and made such a difference just being who she is. And I love that you've been able to contribute to her and that you guys have found each other and loved each other and resonate with each other. And um, I am just very, very thrilled to hear that she is going to Egypt um, and back to memories and friends and, you know, uh, a culture that was an important part of her life. And I just want to thank you for caring for her in a way that, you know, I, I have not given that time. Um, I can when I do, but she is a super special person. You uh, and the way you pour into your friends are a very special person. And I really have felt a lot of abundance out of being able to listen to you to talk about each other on here. And so I just wanted to reflect that back to you and say thank you. Go ahead, Murray. Oh, no, uh, uh, just that, uh, yes, she's, she's, uh, she's flying out. Um, she's driving to, uh, to, to, uh, to Toronto with her son. And then from there, they're flying directly into Cairo. And uh, I'll be, I'll be uh, conversing with her uh, at least, at least once a day. So, um, and uh, yeah, she has my love. She has all of our love. And I just, I just had her, I just recommended her and she was wonderful on a major talk show. She was magnificent. I recommended four women, two have been chosen. She and, and another, another gal. And uh, I, I was on the show and that's when I thought, wait a minute, you know, women can contribute. So anyway, thank you. And thank you for the acknowledgement, Michelle. Thank you very, very much. I just want to pour in and say, um, if anybody needs inspiration of how you can help others, if you go to Marae's Instagram, um, there are, when she's working with her group of friends and colleagues and they're feeding the homeless in that North Hollywood Park, it's so inspirational. She takes you through what they're setting up um, and you know, it's feeding others, you know, there's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So making sure somebody is safe, giving somebody maybe um, a wrap or, you know, something you can even buy at the, the dollar store, you know, like a little a poncho tarp, giving them a, a granola bar, a care package, some water, you know, meeting those initial needs is so important. Feeding people is an act of giving. And so if you can make an extra sandwich and then hand it off to somebody in the, in the um, neighborhood that's struggling, or I live next to an acute care facility, it's right down the street. And so when we had our wildfires here in Northern California, we sort of my neighborhood all got together and we just made sure that everybody was safe and the nurses were able to get people out um, into the ambulances for evacuation. Um, the other thing I want to say is kind of shallow and materialistic, but Murray, you have the best hair goals 
on your Instagram, you know, when the wind is blowing through your magnificent hair, you were at some um, opening of a play. And I just was like, you have the best hair ever. So I just want to tell you that. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks to the wind. <laughs> well, you know, that this is what this room is all about, paying compliments and supporting one another. And on that note, for everything that Murray has said and done, why don't we just unmute our, our microphones just for a moment and just give Murray an applaud. I, I think that that's deserving. Oh, God. Oh, right. Yay, Murray. Big hug from New York. Oh, I I cry easily. I cry. I cry and I His laugh easily. I'm, I'm crying. Well, thank you. We are not crying. We are applauding. And thank you very much for the work that you do. And uh, I'm going to tuck you back into the audience very gently there. But um, I just wanted to say something, too, about the homeless. Uh, the homeless become invisible. We don't see them. We don't look at them. We walk by them. Many of us don't don't lock our eyes with them. And it may be fear, may be uncertainty. It may be that we're, we're thinking that they're going to be asking for money. And imagine if for whatever reason you found yourself homeless and unable to really get to that mental state where you can support yourself or help yourself and you just don't know what to do. And a lot of people who suffer from mental illness or homelessness are, are feeling this, this sense of abandonment, this, this sense of, of uncertainty and unable to, to really take control of their lives. What if we were to look at them in the eyes and when they ask for money, we say, I'm sorry, I, I don't have any, but I wish you a wonderful day. And uh, you just a, a warm hello is even something. And I'm not suggesting you go right up to them because, you know, we we are not sure what their stories are. And some of them may hurt you. But just keeping a distance and see what they look like and just judging from there and maybe a warm smile and a hello is all that they would need because they really are our invisible community and they're all around us. So I just wanted to add that. Anyways, on that note, I'm going to ask Michelle. Michelle, if you are available to reset the room, then we're going to go over to Peter. You available? I am available. And I just want to say, um, Paul, thank you for highlighting that. And Dr. Allison off of Murray. And, you know, it really is incredible what we can create when we um, are willing to, to just reach out a little and, and risk. And I feel like coming into these clubhouse rooms and sharing your strengths, your wisdom, your experience is a great way to do that. So please feel free to come up on the stage. This is a really, uh, I'll say, wonderful stage. I think that the people that are here are very honoring and so there can be a feeling of safety. Um, however, this uh, room does have replays on. And so just uh, know that that's there. And usually it's because there is so much gold to be found within the wisdom, strength, and experience that people who come up and share uh, have within themselves. So this is the Negotiate Your Way Out of Self-Sabotage room that we hold Saturdays, every Saturday from 12 till 2. We were in the 11 to 1 zone and we shifted. And so we hope that you'll invite some friends because most likely some people don't know that we shifted because people do come into Clubhouse and then they leave for a while and then they come back in. So make sure that you're doing that. And if you've already joined the club, um, we would love for you to just still click on the little greenhouse anyway, 
because you can add friends to the club, uh, invite them to join the club, even if they aren't online currently, they'll get the notification. And we would love to be able to have a little bit more um, diversity, uh, a little bit more depth in terms of the conversation that happens here. And it gets that way out of having other people here. Uh, if you are going to bring up a topic that you think might trigger someone else, just say, hey, I have a topic that could be difficult for someone. It might be a trigger. Uh, I'll give you guys a few seconds, but you know, please know that if you're in, uh, let's say, a sensitive place in your life, or you know, there's something that's challenging you, uh, and that you can leave and then come back in after that person shared. You know, go get a drink of water or something. Stretch. Um, you know, organize something someplace, take 10 minutes away and then come back in the room because that gives the person who needs to share about what they want to share about a chance to be responsible and accountable to themselves to share and maybe get some points back from the moderators uh, and also gives you a chance to be responsible for yourself and your own emotions. So we're here every Saturday from 12 to 2. The room is really, really rich. We would love for you to share the share who we are on the clubhouse hallways by clicking that little square with the arrow and clicking on the yellow hand so that you can write something in the hallway. And to those of you who already did that, thank you, thank you, thank you. And please know we're watching the chat. We love to intervene and interact with the chat. So please do chat there, um, but don't sell any services because we are trying to keep this room in that space of feeling trustworthy and and safe and secure. And sometimes when we do that, when we are selling services or products in that chat, it takes people out of their experience. And that's certainly not what we want to do. And so we thank you in advance for not doing that and um, for being, you know, someone who's standing for other people to break through self-sabotaging patterns. And so with that, we hope you'll come back. You know, King and and Paul started this room a really long time ago now. We've had so many people come through, many who are regulars who we know and love, and lots of new people. And it has been uh, every moderator's joy, I think, to be able to hold space for people to come in and ask questions, bring their wisdom, um, you know, come with challenges, and we hope that you'll be a part of our community. So please do follow all the mods, follow the speakers, look around you to the right and to the left, up and down, because, you know, I actually was in a clubhouse hallway with um, Seth and Rohan, who started Clubhouse. There were thousands of people in the room at the time, and I wasn't going to get up on stage. I was listening intently to what was being said and I noticed, hey, let me check out some of these bios. And I actually have a friendship that I created um, that now is an off the clubhouse app relationship that was from someone who was like two people to the right of me in the lounge, in the in the audience. And we just started going back and forth on Instagram because at the time there was no chat feature. And now we have a regular relationship where we talk at least once a day. So you know, Clubhouse is a great, great, let's say, um, petri dish for cultivating friendships. And we hope maybe you'll find one here in this room. So with that, back to you, Paul. Thank you. Great reset. And I love what you said about safe and secure. This room is safe and secure. Uh, I don't come on to Clubhouse all that much anymore. Um, I love this room and, and there's a couple of rooms that I do join. Uh, but um, when I do kind of walk through the, the 
hallways, so to speak, I see these rooms with uh, several hundred people in them. And uh, I've jumped into a couple of them and they're yelling at each other. They're screaming at each other. They're disrespecting each other. They're talking about what they think the latest news means. And I'm thinking, no, I leave quietly. So this may not be a huge room, but I so appreciate everybody that comes in here because this is a room of value. Uh, these moderators of mine and myself, we believe that uh, this room is rich and uh, it's worth coming into. So if you know anybody who could, who could benefit from being in this room, please invite them because we have, uh, it's changed my life and I know it's changed the lives of other people. So thank you for that wonderful reset. And on that note, I just wanted to mention something to my moderators as well. We have a back channel and you may have received an invitation from me to chat offline or to chat during this room in another room. That's just this quirky little thing. There's, I don't know if it's for you, there's this little waving hand in the chat feature. And instead of pushing the send, I've pushed that hand and it automatically sends an invite. So I apologize. Don't accept an invitation from me on that. All right. So on that note, Eleni, You've just joined us and I would love it if you could just introduce yourself and then we'll go over to Peter. And thanks for waiting, Peter. Hello, Lenny from London. Background, TV and theatre. Um, I'm now a painter and artist, um, but I worked very for many years in the hospitals with brain surgeons. And what I do is I, I, I help two particular charities for underprivileged children from 16 to 24, where they are victims. So we take them out of being victims and help them find a new purpose in life life. So that's partly what I do, as well as give 10% away of everything I earn to other charities for children and for adults who are and I'm Eleni here to help and pour into anybody that needs uplifting on this day. Thank you, Eleni. And I think that that is a unmute our mics and celebrate Eleni for the wonderful work that she's doing. And let's do that. Woo. Hey, Eleni. <laughs> hey, Eleni. Beautiful you. Hey. That's awesome because Marae brought the topic up a little bit earlier about what is it that we can do in this world when things are just so uncertain and so broken and you are an example, another example, and let this be, you know, a eye opener for each and every one of us that one person can make a difference. One person, one act, one generous thing, and just absolutely incredible. So thank you very much, Eleni. That was beautiful. Peter, thanks for waiting. Over to you, sir. Good as gold, Paul. Mate. Happy belated birthday, by the way. Um, goodness me, good for you. King, thanks for being here. Robert, you raised my awareness around weather events. We're going into a spring here in Australia. Um, we worry about bushfires, cyclones, that sort of thing. It's all good. But as long as we've got the awareness, it's all good. Um, I just wanted to speak of, <clears throat> excuse me, um, hyper-awareness. 
and in my workplace with my people um it's and especially with the veteran community that i work with as well we're all hyper aware like we're looking in the gaps between our conversation and feed that back sometimes with aggression sometimes that may not be appreciated sometimes it's spot on um yeah it's just a could be a ptsd thing i don't know but just wanted to put that to the room and i want to keep it quick because there's other people that want to speak paul over to you mate all right for awareness yeah thanks can you kind of summarize that uh um can you summarize that in in a sentence or two so that we can we can open the channels yes sure thing it's just like hyper and it's like you'll know i'm ex ex australian army and it it just persists it's just like always could be in conversation could be in walking around the streets could be you know just hyper aware some of it's healthy some of it is not does that make right. sense yeah it it does um let's look at the some of it is not healthy uh, I, and i'm not putting you on the spot please do not say anything that you don't feel comfortable in no, sharing you, but we're friends mate it's all good okay um can you give us an example where it's not so good is it is it the thoughts the anger is it something along that line that you're having a hard time controlling solid copy most definitely always ready to defend myself vigorously okay that is great clarification thank you you're not broken by the way um anyway <laughs> you're not broken uh geez i walk down the road and sometimes there's some people that i would like to pummel out but anyways that's another story any one of my moderators want to um add something to this what peter is going through with this hyper awareness is there anybody that wants to add something okay well i i know your background peter and uh you know having served myself um when we come back there may be something that we bring with us from the experiences that we've had but i believe and this is going to be a general statement i believe that we have these i've heard it said before there are two wolves within each uh, each of us and uh you know the one that you feed the most is the one that's going to win and that one might be a feeling of anger it might be post-traumatic stress it might be something else like that but we are um, this world this life these thoughts these images that we get we're really in control of of taking control of them we can't let them take control of us and we can't um you know just kind of give in to those thoughts um to be that that hypersensitive um it, it's a constant struggle robert uh you unmuted i'm going to turn it over to you yeah thank you paul um i was thinking about what peter was saying and i was trying to think of how I might do you know peter it's it is a natural i'm not a psychologist but uh, i've been around a very long time um it's a it's it's natural for us to react to circumstances to statements to 
uh, phenomena that we consider to be sort of an attack on uh, either our belief systems, our values, our identity, uh, whatever it might be. It, it's natural for us to internally react to that. Where the challenge comes, and this is where you know uh, the uh, clinical psychologists uh, on this uh, and emotional intelligence uh, moderators on, on this forum can help, is it's okay to react inside. It, it's natural and 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 it's expected. And it would be it would be actually unnatural not to. It's how what we do with that. What do we do with those reactions? This hyper awareness of things around us that happens to me all the time. It's a matter of trying to control those reactions. And I think where I start, at least, and I don't know if Peter, this will help you or not. But it's what I where I start is I then say, why am I reacting to this? And I try to look at my own assumptions, examine my own assumptions about this. Okay, I've reacted to this. Why have I reacted to this? What are my operating assumptions? And are, are my operating assumptions valid? Because it's quite natural for us to believe that our operating assumptions in the world are natural because they're part of who we are. Stepping outside of ourselves, like Socrates was encouraging us to do, you know, the unexamined life is not worth living, is to examine those assumptions critically you know, to critically examine them and say, okay, how do I feel about this? That I think if we can discipline ourselves to do that, we're then better able to control our reactions. I just thought I would add that for what it's worth. There you go. Hey, bro, that was uh, wonderful. And I know um, I loved what you said because yes, it, it, it's then when we have this, it's up to us to deal with it in the way, in the best way. But Doug here on stage uh, Doug uh, Gordon, who joins us uh, from time to time, he's uh, he's a great speaker and he has a lot of work. He's done work in this area. And I'd like to ask him, Doug, are you able to contribute to this conversation? Yes, I'd love to. Thanks, Paul. And um, I'm just driving. So just checking you can hear me before I speak. Yes, we can. Perfect. OK. And um, so I actually have a new book coming out and I talk about awareness all the time. And I have to say... Uh, Peter, in terms of awareness, I didn't have the awareness of my triggers, my traumas and my parental programs that I had before. So I started focusing on them, owning them, have a looking what I could see in the mirror effect of other people in them as well. And even asking for feedback from others in terms of them as well to get an overall picture. And that was fine. But then I became a little bit too obsessed with them and too obsessed at looking at my negative sides rather than my positive sides as well. And I think once you have that general awareness of understanding, okay, at times I'm a little bit, you know, not, maybe not actively listening enough. At times I might do this. I might, but once you have that, then try and go back to focusing on what are your strengths rather than just looking at your negatives all the time. Because sometimes I think people who get into awareness can get too much focused on those negative things rather than the positive traits of our own selves as well. And we can focus on the things that we're good at rather than the things that we're not so good at then we can add more value to more people and also feel better in ourselves as well. So it's about having the, yes, cognitive awareness in terms of our behaviors, but at the same time, not getting too OCD about them because otherwise you just drive yourself crazy as well. So I hope that helps. That was great, Doug. Um, Peter, has this helped? Uh, absolutely. Doug, love your guts, mate. And I think the PTSD association was is with hypervigilance, but I think awareness as well. But 
I think it's just about gathering it in. Uh, dealing with it and then seeing what we can do from there. Because I upset a lot of people. I try not to, but I do. You know, Peter, yeah, Peter, um, I, I just want to jump in here just to say that, uh, yeah, post-traumatic stress is not uh, exclusive to people who have served in the army or have served overseas, whatever. Mm. It comes from our childhood. A lot of it comes from our childhood. And if you are aware that you are um, upsetting people or that you're, you're saying things or reacting or overreacting, a lot of that could come back from past experiences that you've gone through. And it might be time to sit down with the professional person and just say, hey, how can I deal with this? What, what is it that I can do um, that would help me through this? And, and sometimes just talking to, to a professional is great. And again, what Robert was you know, talking about is so important as well is that uh, you know we have to examine things we have to look at things we have to challenge things and and just make the best of it because you're not alone in this peter and um it's a topic i think that a lot of people struggle with is this um you know the sensitivity that's a solid copy mate and i'm talking to my friends as well i do have um uh, support from the australian defense force a lot of my older colleagues do not and are resistant to that. So <clears throat> I guess I'm just someone they talk to, bounce ideas off and conversation off and that sort of thing. But that's where I'm at. It's, it's good as gold. That's how we hold it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much for that share and for your vulnerability for sharing that with us. Uh, just remember what Viktor Frankl said that between um, stimulus and response, there is a moment. And in that moment, we get to choose in our response. And in that response, um, it lies our strengths and our value or something along that line. The, the point being is that sometimes things are said to us and we become uh, reactive we become first reactors and not first responders. And, you know, when we hear something like that, it, it is natural sometimes to feel those feelings and just to say, why would you say that to me? And then we react as opposed to take a moment, take a couple of deep breaths and say, I wonder where this is coming from. Wonder why they would be saying that. And instead of making a statement, I'm just asking, asking a question. I'm just saying, are you okay? You know, where's that coming from? Something along that line. But I, his, his statement, his quote about taking that moment to respond as opposed to react to the things that happen to us in our lives, I think has so much value. And I know I do that. I practice that. I take a moment. Where's this coming from? I try not to take things personally. And uh, so thank you for that great share, Peter. Uh, you're always welcome up here. And um, I, I applaud your courage, my friend. All right, I'm just going to take you back. That, oh. You don't know that till the fat lady sings, and I have not sung yet, Paul. Over to you, mate. I like that one. You're right. It ain't over until it's over. And uh, funny thing, though, on Peter's point is that we're all struggling with something. And many of us have experienced things in our past that were very destructive. As young children, we were 
uh, perhaps abused or, or we were picked on, whatever it is. And a lot of that gets dragged into our adulthood. And it's so important to to examine that and not to dwell on it, but just to sort it out and put it where it belongs. And much of it belongs just in the past as, okay, that happened. And if you're struggling with anything more that these recurring thoughts happen uh, that are that are harming you, that are leading you to feel less than amazing, uh, leading you f to feel down, blue, depressed, or turning to alcohol or substance abuses. That's the time to reach out to professionals. That's the time to reach out to, um, you know, to, to get some help. And so on that note, I am going to turn it over to Tazy. Hello, Tazy. Are you there, Tazy? I know she's traveling, but are you there? She was having problems with her, uh, with her um, app as well. All right, we're going to go over to Doug. Doug, do you have something that you wanted to uh, to share? Sure. Um, I just, you know, in terms of negotiating well out of self-sabotage, I think we all do this. Um, and I have been somebody who's done it many, many times in terms of self-sabotaging myself. We have the gremlin and we have the angel on each shoulder. And as you said yourself, Paul, it's whichever one you feed um, is the one that you're going to follow in terms of that. And I have to say, I've been in the past very much down to feeding the wrong one and worrying about things that weren't necessary to worry about and making assumptions about other people and what they were thinking rather than asking the right questions. And I think one of the biggest things that we need to remember in terms of self-sabotage and negotiations and everything like that is that in relationships, we need to remember that everybody has different perspectives on things. And, you know, like I could see a color as yellow and you could see it as orange. It doesn't necessarily mean that either is a right or either is a wrong. It's just different perspectives of the same thing. But the problem is that everybody has an opinion and opinions are a bit like bottoms sometimes. We all have one. We don't necessarily want to hear it, right? But if you can ask the right questions to understand the other person's perspectives, without trying to push your own opinions on other people, it sometimes can create a much more win-win uh, inter interaction with the other person rather than win-lose as well. And I've been a, I have to say, I'll put my hand up and say, I have made assumptions in the past wrongly. And these days I find it much more effective to ask questions or pose questions rather than tell and make statements as well. And even in, you know, even in say in sales and going into business, I found it's so much more effective to ask the person, say, if you're selling to a CEO or president or something like that of a business, instead of saying to them, oh, I'm brilliant and I've got this great company, ask them, is it okay if I tell you a bit about their business? Because then automatically you're, you know, you're automatically engaging their subconscious of letting them listen to you um, rather than you just talking to them. And I think, you know, in, what I've learned actually, and I have to say, one of the most superb people that I love listening to is, is gone, is he? Um, is uh, Norman, Dr. Norman, is, uh, and many others on this app as well, is to actually ask for permission to give your advice before just giving the advice. Um, because everybody has an opinion, right? But it's sometimes good to ask beforehand, especially if it's a one-to-one. -one. So that's something that I've really learned. And I, I think in terms of life, you know, our relationship with our own self is probably the most important thing. Because let's face it, you're the person who talks to yourself the most. And sometimes it can be the most intelligent conversation you have. So you might as well make it positive as well. 
And relationships, you know, that word relationship can be broken down into a ship that goes in a direction. And it's important that you know your direction in life in terms of what your mission is, what your goals are, and where you want to go in life. And if it's with somebody else, obviously aligning those together. And that's where you, if you do have another party in terms of that relationship, it's very important that you relay in terms of conscious communication and truly actively listening and even more so hearing the words and the energy behind the words rather than just being able to spiel back what your um, you know, other person said to you. And in fact, if any men are out there, I have to say, I've been terrible at this. I've been Mr. Fix-It in the past. If there's ever a lady that comes home and says to you, honey, I need to speak to you, uh, and she starts venting, don't try and give solutions without asking her first that she want the solutions. I was a terrible fix-it man. And actually, ladies often just want to vent. So I always ask now, honey, is this one of those times you want me to give solutions or, or just listen? And 95% of the time it's just listen. So once you know that and you can relay your shuns, your expectations, your needs and your values, and then you listen to their expectations, needs and values, then you can make sure that you're both on board that ship in the right direction of that relationship or the direction of life with your own self as well. So I hope that helps in some way or form. Absolutely. That was good. That was a mini masterclass in this room. You heard it here first. Thank you so much, Doug. Uh, Peter, I think uh, I may have sent you down uh, below before uh, you were done. Is there anything that you wanted to share, anything further that you wanted to add? And I apologize. <clears throat> now, Paul, all is well. All is well. The conversation is exquisite, as usual. Um, I'll just be mindful of what I say to people because I'm direct, maybe a little bit too direct. <laughs> what Doug just said, sensational. And uh, but I'm a direct salesperson. That's the way it is. Over to you, mate. Over to the other people that want to speak and love to your heaps, guys. Thank you. All is well in the land of Oz. <laughs> Yeah, appreciate you, uh, Peter. And you know what? Sometimes, oh, Robert, did you want to say something? You finish, Paul, and then I'll go. All right, that sounds good. No, all I was going to say is that, uh, yes, some, sometimes we have to sort of um, prepare our words uh, with someone uh, if they are very sensitive, and other times we can just lay it out. But, um, Robert, over to you. Thanks, Paul. I just wanted to say how much I appreciated Doug's uh, Doug's comments there, that masterclass, because really what Doug is saying is really what my, you know, uh, the entire motivation and animation for my critical thinking series. I, I have uh, some 40 installments on critical thinking on my Facebook page. Uh, they're one to two minutes each. And really what, what Doug was saying is absolutely right. You know, we... The importance, the importance of, of, of not only articulating what we believe and, 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 and presuming that people want to hear what we, what we believe, just presuming that and then, and, and then just sending it out uh, is, is often catastrophic to relationships. I love the fact that this is something I, I never really thought of, uh, at least not, not consciously, but, but uh, Doug's advice about, you know, 
asking for permission to actually express one's opinion is actually, I think, very helpful, especially in what um, uh, the Harvard um, uh, dialogue uh, uh, series um, back in, in 2005 uh, identified as what difficult conversations. You know, there are different kinds of difficult conversations. Dr. Daniel Kahneman talks about fast thinking and slow thinking. Well, you know, Harvard um, in 2005 in their difficult conversations program Program, they identified three levels of engagement and, and uh, with respect to difficult conversations. There are ordinary social conversations we have with everybody. There we can be freer, you know, we can be more fast thinking because we're social, we're getting around Thanksgiving dinner, whatever, you know, we don't have to be as critical or guarded about what we say. But if we're getting into a difficult conversation, whether it's political, whether it's relational, whatever it is, uh, Harvard identified three levels of of uh, of of communication. Uh, the one the one that I'm most comfortable with as a lawyer, uh, more familiar with as a lawyer and as a critical thinker, is the factual one. You know, I'm an Aristotelian. I believe that uh, in the correspondence theory of reality that uh, you know that um, uh, rea uh, that uh, you know uh, reality corresponds truth corresponds to reality. So I engage at the factual level, evidence level. I, I really like to engage with evidence. What is your evidence for what you're saying? As a lawyer, that's very critical. But that's just the surface level of communication. The second level of communication, according to the Harvard uh, study, was the emotional one. You know, under, under, underneath every single factual engagement, evidential engagement, um, almost especially in difficult conversations, there is an emotional factor. I'm not as comfortable <laughs> in the emotional realm, but but uh, but I'm aware of it. I'm aware that we might be dealing with facts when the person we're dealing with, and even ourselves, are really operating on emotion and less on facts, and we're using facts to more or less justify uh, what we're saying or our opinion. And But if we're conscious of the emotional aspect, we can engage perhaps more constructively. We can say, okay, you know what? The facts are not being received the way that I really think they should be by myself or by my interlocutor. I, you know, what is the emotion here that's being triggered? There you can still have meaningful conversations if you're willing to address the emotional angle. But then there's a third one that makes conversation almost impossible. And it would be, and it behooves us to be aware of that third dimension. And that third dimension is identity. When the difficult conversation is, is, relates to the person's identity, their core identity, uh, it is best not to try and, and, and persuade or, or uh, anyone about that. It's, it's again, where Doug's um, advice is so profound is to ask for permission to to engage at that level. Anyhow, I know I've gone on a bit, but uh, I thought I just wanted to echo what Doug had to say. It really resonated with me. And thank you so much, Doug. And back to you, Paul. Yeah, it resonated with me as well. And I'm sure it resonated with most of the audience. It's so true. Sometimes we just pour our opinion or our thoughts on somebody without even asking for um, their permission to speak. Uh, Dr. Allison, did you want to add something? I did. Um, you know, when uh, Doug was sharing, I was thinking of Thich Nhat Hanh, who I'm just such a big fan of, and he died earlier this year. And he shared this a lot before he passed in the past few years, that um, there's four mantras of true presence when you're with somebody who's struggling. And number one is, darling, I am here for you. And if it's business, you don't have to use the 
term darling and that's the holding space for somebody and not saying anything just being there sitting with somebody listening um hearing um and sometimes like a touch on the knee or a shoulder for reassurance number two is i know you are there and i'm very happy so it's the appreciation and the gratitude to just let somebody know that just their being in your presence is a blessing and is is wonderful number three is darling i know you suffer and i i get tears when i say this because it's just the acknowledgement that all of us have struggles and trials and tribulations and the acknowledgement that you know life is cyclical and things are not always you know sunshine and roses sometimes you know we have to trudge that road of happy destiny and and then the fourth one is darling i suffer please help and that's the the vulnerability and the asking for help which is what we see with Murray and tazy um you know week to week is this beautiful vulnerability of saying here is what i need help with can you help me and those four things together are just a way of connecting with others and with ourselves and increasing our awareness and our ability to sit with uncomfortable emotions so that we can feel where they're coming from in our bodies because that's where we store so much of our early childhood and so feeling where they're coming from and then sitting with it and becoming curious about what's triggering in your body physiologically and then looking at the biology of it and then feeling the re where the reaction is coming from is it coming from your solar plexus is it coming from your belly is it coming from your chest where you can't breathe where is that coming from and then with that curiosity comes the um, ability to breathe into and acknowledge that things happen and that we can get through these things um, when we increase our resilience so it's just my two cents Paul, can I ask a question to the panel that might help other people as well? Sure. And I just wanted to say to Dr. Allison, uh, before you do, uh, that was beautiful, Dr. Allison, and I wish that you would send that to me. I, I think that's amazing. Um, so yes, over to you, Doug. So just to put it in context, I'm, I'm a divorced dad. I've got two children, 14 and 16, boy 16, girl 14. My girl at the moment is going through a tough time. She um, was in hospital for three weeks with anorexia during the summer and um, she's highly sensitive. And yesterday I, um, I picked her up and we had a lovely time during the week, saw her three times. We we're going over to see my parents and she said, to, I said, how was school? And she said, um, oh, I left early. And I said, um, I said, okay, um, was everything all right? And she, I don't want to talk about it, dad. And I said, okay did, did you eat okay today i don't want to talk about it dad is there anything i don't and at that point how do you i ended up sabotaging the whole thing because i said look honey i'm really concerned about you and i need to make sure you're all right as your dad it's my responsibility to make sure that you're okay and by you know not talking about your feelings and how you are um, it makes it very difficult for me to understand where you are so that i can help you in the best possible way I don't want to talk about it, Dad. I don't want to. And then in the end, she said, I don't want to go to Noni and Grandpa's. I said, my parents anymore. Take me home, back to mum. So I sabotaged that last night and I got very upset with myself. And I don't know any advice when you have a child in that situation and she's so sensitive, so, so sensitive. How do you talk to them to be able to parent them in a way that one, you're still a parent 
and you're still putting rules in place, but not like a dictator, but more as a loving, kind parent who loves them with all of your heart. But at the same time, you're not sabotaging where they then want to go back to their mum, if that makes sense. Any answers on a postcard would be much appreciated. Great question, Doug. And I think that as uh, a parent, well, I know as a parent, I resonate with that because one of my daughters was the same way and I, I'm sure I blew it. Um, Eleni, I saw you on mute. Uh, did you want to say something? Hello there, lovely Doug. Um, so lovely to hear your voice. Sweetheart, look, nobody gets a book. And, you know, nobody knows how to be a, an incredible parent. We're all fumbling here. But my suggestion is um, I've got a daughter, like all of us, you know, um, have problems, whether it's with a boy or with a girl. And now what I've realized is that it doesn't matter what I say, it's wrong. So all I actually say to her is, um, I would have just said, okay, that's fine. I just want you to know I love you. I'm here for you, end of story. Because if I ask my daughter too many questions, she shuts down, that's what they do. And I think if we remember back to our parents, they used to just irritate us and get on our nerves. So my suggestion is say very minimal amounts, just let her know you're there. And all you need to say is, okay, I love you, I'm here for you, everything's okay, darling. That's it. Because the minute we ask too many questions and overcomplicate anything, they immediately put their back up and they shut you down. Um, so I just learnt less is more. And all I say to my daughter now is when she's in one of these places where she's really uncomfortable in her own skin, I just say, darling, I'm here for you and I love you. Got a rush, darling, but I just want you to know I'm here. So sometimes it's, you know, Doug, it's hard to gauge whatever. She'll come to you when she's ready to talk to you. But until then, just say, I love you. I'm here. End of story. Hope that's helped. Thank you. I don't normally do this, Doug, but um, Zainab has been unmuting quite a bit, and I read a little bit of her profile. Um, Zainab, is are you just? Um, did you want to add something of value here? Is there something that yeah, you wanted to say? If possible, um, just before I add anything, I am I'm not a qualified person in any region, but I have had a lot of experience with different people and different situations, and. Uh, I can't say it from a parent perspective. I can say it from, I have had people in my life I've helped with, with eating disorders, not from a professional standpoint, but from a friend standpoint. And it's interesting because I get to see that angle potentially that a parent doesn't. And with this girl, I've dealt with several people, one depth actually, the way I got her to deal, I don't think it was a, um, anorexia and I can't really say the condition, the way I got her to deal with it, I couldn't push. I had to take the small things. So if she wasn't comfortable, I'd be like, okay, maybe tomorrow. But it is that caring element. When I kept the care there every day. I was like, how are you? Um, I picked up the small things she did want to talk about. And interestingly, after a period of time when she saw I was consistent, as a friend, remember, I'm not a parent, she started to accept. Maybe I said, okay, what about trying to go and see a doctor? Because this was not uh, like over 18. So I was like, how about try going to a doctor? 
Uh, of course, you know, that's what I would refer because I am not a professional. I'm a friend that's supportive. And slowly she did take that advice. Um, so I can't suggest obviously anything for your daughter because I am not professional. And obviously if anybody wants advice, please go and seek a professional. Don't rely on what I say, but it's out of experience with me. Just listen, let them speak, let them have the floor um, and just pick up on small signals. Sometimes what I noticed is there's these tiny things that can be missed that maybe if you pick up on them, they, they may want to, she may want to say something to you, but she may not find it easy. Maybe that's what happened with me. And I had to think, oh, you said something here. What did you mean? Did you want to talk about it? Or I introduced maybe the subject of she's scared to go to a doctor. I was like, okay, well, we can. And she felt a bit better that I brought it up and et cetera. So it's I think, definitely I think not be, easy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But, I think um, Yes, thanks, Sainab. I think we're getting a little bit off topic here, but um, um, thank you for that. Doug, uh, did did this help? Because I'll I'll give you just my two cents here. Um, I remember my daughter, who very much like yours, my oldest daughter, was saying, I don't want to talk about it. And she would come home from school and she was very closed and would go up to uh, her room and close her door and I would knock on it and say, are you okay? Is everything all right? Don't want to talk about it, dad. Don't want to talk about it, dad. And all I said to her is I'm, I'm here for you when you want to talk. I come to find out later that she was being bullied at school and it had a, a like this traumatic effect on her. Um, but I don't have the answer to this, but just um, hearing what everybody has said here, it's just, you know, looking at that person and with your with your tone of voice, with the, the words that you choose and with your body language, you look at them deep in the eyes. I'm here to help whenever you want to talk. I'm here for you. And what Dr. Allison read a little bit earlier just uh, resonated with me. And I, 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 I just loved that. So I hope that that helped, Doug. Over to you. A hundred percent. Thank you so much, Paul. And, you know, it, when 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 somebody you love as much as that and you know that i think anorexia is below 85 percent of the general body body weight and they take them into hospital when it gets to 75 and she was down at 75 at one stage she's up to 80 now but she's still not eating and she's gaslighting and lying to us saying that she is and we can see that she isn't it's really really hard it really is so i really appreciate all the feedback and thank you thank you thank you can Michelle. I add something? So, Doug, first of all, all the way across the pond, a huge, strong hug to you. Um, from me to you, I have a daughter who her best friend uh, struggles with that same condition. So I also have that sideways view. And my daughter also um, is someone who has high anxiety and is a perfectionist and, um, you know, emotionally very sensitive so would shut me out and i just wanted to say to you i think something that's so vitally important is for you to be so gentle on yourself grace not grief um, and there is a bit of a grieving that goes on as parents i believe because we have and i'm i'm i'm, I, I'm noticing emotion for myself right now so i'll just say that but we have these expectations for our children, we want the best life for them. We want to give them all of our heart. And sometimes it's uh, extraordinary when we do that and we realize, geez, it's still not covering the issue here. Uh, and yet, 
over time it does. And one thing I found that really, really helped was for me to get the help I needed so that I could be that space and place for her. Uh, and so I could, you know, because she is a child who's so sensitive that she could read my energy and maybe she was misreading it. So out of, you know, the kind of career I have and the life I have, did she feel, even though I went, might always say, I'm always here for you, did she actually see that that was true? And so, you know, by going to see someone else, that definitely supported me. Um, and the second thing that really supported her, it turned out, was actually having a lot of structure still. Teenagers still need structure. They rebel against it, but the structure really supported. So finding things that she could outlay her passion into, um, which allowed her some freedom of some of her emotions. And I really think for us in our particular situation, that was the pièce de résistance because it allowed her to also hear the voice of her own competency of her own um you know worth in in even a tiny area which then helped us build into other areas so i just wanted to add that in and i'm sure dr allison has probably something on that but i i, I yield the mic i do um dr allison yeah um you know paul i worked with teenagers for many years and all the parents would come in with their hands in their hair, like, what do I do? And as Michelle said, it's so important for you to have that support group, not just your partner, but other parents that are going through it. Because the issue with teenagers is that their prefrontal cortex is not fully evolved. So, but their bodies and their minds and their thoughts are fully, you know, full throttle adult. And so they don't have that full executive function. Um, and then there's that push me, pull you, that Dr. Doolittle thing, come here, go away, come here, go away. And, you know, with eating disorders, there's usually some sort of underlying control issues. And so what happens is when the parent tries to control, then that child doubles down. And that's that's where the headbutting comes in, which doesn't help anybody because both of you leave feeling defeated and, and heartbroken. And so it's about um, the St. Francis of Assisi, seek to understand rather than to be understood. And it's almost, um, I, I say it like um, when animals are fighting and one animal shows the jugular saying, I give, I, it's the Thich Nhat Hanh, I am here for you. And so with um, pay, pay the struggle, and the problem is, it's your struggle is exponentially um, accelerated because you have the typical teen struggle about that, you know, becoming autonomous and coming into their fullness. But then there's that also um, social media struggle where I want to look like this, I want to be like this, I want to control things. But then there's also the eating disorder. So there's the these other issues that are exacerbating the, the problem. And so what I would say is find the common ground where you know you can reach her, whether it's she likes to take a walk in nature or she likes going shopping for makeup, whatever that is, and magnify that because that's where the connection happens. The connections happen in those moments of peace and communion. So if you can, whether it could be, you know, eating dinner on the couch, watching a show, it could be playing Scrabble, it, wherever that is. And in those moments, 
your arm around her. I'm here for you. I love you so much. What, you know, I'm here and don't say anything more because it's getting those moments of comfort because those were in those little golden nuggets of teenage vulnerability. When they open up, you're like, Oh my God, because as your children grow up, you're, you're like, you want more of the, the baby time when they're laying on your chest and they're seeking you out. And you know, in the teenage years, you get less and less of that for some kids. And so it's finding those moments of, of communion and, and where you can just be there. And, you know, you're such a good listener, Doug, you listen to everybody on every stage and you have such good wisdom. Um, but it's hard when it's your child because you want to fix, you know, you want your children to have beautiful, healthy lives. And so it's about stepping back from your wanting to control because the two of you, she's wanting to control herself and her thoughts and emotions, and you're wanting to control her so she doesn't suffer. And so you can't let go of her control, but you can work on yours. And I just want to just send you some love and compassion because it's the hardest thing in the world and having to work with parents who are struggling because they want their children happy and healthy. Um, it's heartbreaking to go through. And so I'm just sending you lots of love. Oh, thank you so much, Alice. You know, there's a, uh, there's a client of mine actually that came to me and her husband had stage four cancer and a heart attack. And then her daughter had anorexia and she said the stage four cancer going through that and, uh, and the heart attack was easy compared to the anorexia and oh my god is it is it hard but i am so so grateful for everybody i don't want to take up the whole stage so please please there's many other people here and uh, but thank you thank you thank you to all of you thank can you, i just say um doug darling don't forget about yourself don't be too harsh on yourself um really because this is her journey your, not your journey and just believe and know that your girl is a strong girl she comes from you you've got strong stock here and all I can just say to you is just try and stand out of that circle and just show her and just let her know you love her you can say it without even saying it um, but that's all you need to do is be kind to yourself and just keep telling her you love her. You don't need explanations. You don't need for her to give you explanations. All she needs to know is that she's loved. And I will be calling you because I know of an incredible clinic um, where two young girls um, of 19 and 17 have really, really moved past it and are in a really good space. So I will give you a call, my darling, but please be kind to yourself. Stop doing any blame or shame on yourself and say hardly anything to your daughter other than I love you. I'm here. That's it. Adore you. And the feeling is mutual. Robert? Thank you, Paul. Uh, Doug, um, you've heard a lot of what I think is some very profound, heartfelt wisdom from many, many of the uh, Dr. Allison, Eleni, uh, Michelle, Paul. Um, I just wanted to add, I guess, to echo and reinforce what, um, what's been said. Uh, and I know you were anxious to move on because um, you don't want to occupy the space. But the issue you've, dealt, you've raised is so 
profound and fundamental. And that's what this room is about. It's about dealing with the real issues that really um, affect us in, in a deep way. Uh, and our children are that. Our children are so much a part of who we are. They're so much a part of our identity that I, for one, don't want to rush away from this issue that you've raised um, if, if you're comfortable with that, uh, if you are. I'm just going to add one word and then I'm going to ask you whether you're comfortable with us continuing if, if, if necessary. What 100%, I want to, I'm sorry, go ahead, Doug. I was just saying 100%. I was just saying 100%. Okay, thank you. Um, I think you and I kind of, from hearing what you said earlier, and I'm going to start following you, um, hearing what you said earlier, I think you and I operate perhaps in a very similar mindset, very similar operational assumptions. And I think what we're talking about with your daughter, and again, I have a daughter who I adore, a daughter who I adore, and yet she and I are so profoundly uh, different when it comes to political ideologies. And so I really have to Oh, just step gingerly whenever I'm speaking with her. And, uh, and, and this gets back to that third level of the Harvard study that, you know, beyond the facts and beyond the emotions is the identity. And when we're talking about, again, I'm not, I'm not a doctor and I'm not a clinical psychologist, but I would think that your daughter is wrestling with an identity issue. And because it's an identity issue for her, um, the Harvard study, I think, was absolutely right, is that uh, we cannot change people when it's about identity. All we can do is love them. All we can do is, is as, as you've heard from so many uh, of the wonderful moderators here, all we can do is, is show them how much we continue to love them. We continue to accept them. And I love Dr. Allison's advice. I just loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. That, you know what? Just be there with her on everything else, other issues, you know, watching a movie together, going for a walk, eating pizza together, laughing, so that she knows that, yes, she knows by that that you love her. She knows by that you're there for her and yet you don't have to speak a word because your actions speak louder than your words. Anyhow, I just felt I had to add that. So, Doug, I, I'm just, I'm just, uh, my heart goes out to you. And uh, hey, anytime you want to talk, uh, you know how to reach me. Robert, I, I really, really appreciate that. And I really, really appreciate everybody um, from my heart to your hearts. Thank you is all I can say. Sorry, I, I was back channeling there, but I've been listening to the conversation. Robert, you're absolutely right. Uh, there are times, this is the whole thing about this room, is that when there's something that comes up, we, we're not going to push um, a time, uh, a clock on. We're not going to turn it on. We're going we're gonna to deal with it. And um, it's so rich because, yes, family and children and relationships are what this room is all about and support. And... I have learned so much just listening to everyone um, speak. So thank you everyone uh, for that. And Doug, thank you so much for opening this, uh, this conversation because not only are the people here on stage benefiting from what has been said here, what you brought up and what everybody has said, but I know that everyone down in the lounge there, there's, there's many people dealing with the same thing. While this conversation was going on, I remember my oldest daughter, actually, um, we were concerned because she became anorexic at one point. And um, we were 
terrified. So this conversation has been has been amazing. And uh, thank you very much, everyone. Really appreciate that. Robert, uh, I challenged, uh, or ch challenged you. No, I, I sent a message to you. Are, are you comfortable in resetting the room? Sure, I'll, 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 do, I'll do my best, Paul. Okay. Well, you were doing great uh, last time, so I just wanted to <laughs> thank throw you. it over to you. Thank you, that's great. Okay, well, welcome everyone. Welcome to uh, the uh, Take Control of, uh, or, or the uh, uh, Negotiate Your Way Out of Self-Sabotage Room, which is part of the Take Control of Your Life Club. Uh, we meet here every Saturday morning uh, from 12 to two o'clock noon Eastern time. Uh, and uh, of course, that's that uh, varies around the world what time it is. It's it, we, we try to keep uh, the room to two hours. This is a room where anyone can come and 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 participate. You can be part of the part of the room. You can uh, bring to to the group uh, whatever you may be struggling with, whatever you may be challenged with. Um, we are here to listen. We are here to share with you our experiences, our our training. Uh, it is not a, a room where you're going to where you're going to receive therapy because there are professionals out there in the world that prevents that uh, dispense professional therapy. But we're here to listen and to support. And uh, you are going to receive a diversity, a diversity of opinion, a diversity of advice, of lived experiences. Um, and and it, it's it's just worthwhile to come every single week. Now we do ask that when you do come, that you um, uh, if you're going to be raising an issue that you have reason to believe may be triggering to someone, we just ask that you provide a trigger warning so that if anyone might be disturbed by what you're about to share, uh, they can uh, just leave the room for for a short time and, and then come back. Um, and so I think, Paul, I think I've covered most of the bases. And so with that, I give it back to you, my friend. Well, you did amazing. Thank you, bro. Really appreciate you. And thank you, everyone. I'm going to turn the microphone over to Maggie. Welcome back, Maggie. How are you? Over to you. I'm great. Thank you. This is the first week I haven't either been ill or dealing with something extreme. <laughs> so you get the real me. <laughs> um, I wanted to, uh, and thank you for, for inviting me on. Um, the background context of my thought here, um, Paul, you, you constantly remind us of this core truth that we are all struggling with something. And you know, in my experience, much of the time that something is invisible to others. Um, additionally, we all know this in this COVID era, especially that life is short and life is precious and life is beautiful. Um, then the other part of the context is sometimes, you know, the, the struggle is quite visible, like the hurricane in Florida and Murray spoke to that and we have this urge, how can I help? So for me, with that context, my, my, what happens to me sometimes is I can become overwhelmed in, to the point of inaction in that how can I help situation. Um, that's one piece of uh, the self-sabotage wheel. Um, the other is I'm finding myself in this life phase, entering retirement and so on. And I think we share this regardless of life phase, kind of a broader need for community. <clears throat> so tomorrow is my birthday. <laughs> and um, 
each birthday for me functions a bit like a um, new year where it almost includes resolutions and so on. And I had a thought in the context of all of that. I'm sorry for the long lead up. And that thought is, you know, around the power of small acts of kindness, incorporating small acts of kindness and the benefit to both the receiver, but also the giver, the person who is performing that act of kindness. So in that mindset of kind of New Year's resolution-y birthday mindset, I had an idea. Um, <clears throat> snail mail is kind of rare anymore. I don't really get much. I'm starting to get these birthday cards in the mail and that's really fun. And I thought, what if this year I challenge myself to just get a big box of beautiful note cards and mail a card to someone at least once a week. Thinking of you, an appreciative note could be a follow-up from seeing them in person. It might be, there's many people I know long distance that I'm not as in touch with as much as usual. And we rely so much on so, social media <clears throat> as a small act of kindness, both to make me receive the benefit, but more importantly, to honor the people in my life, in this precious life, who are most likely struggling with something and could use the lift. So I just wanted to put that on the table today as a happy birthday to me <laughs> gift and maybe your thoughts on the power of small acts of kindness. Maggie, that is beautiful. And I want to wish you a very happy and healthy birthday. And I was just reading an article about um, adult connections and how that when we're children and young adults, the school, you know, and our sports and our activities bring us uh, into a sense of community. So it's easier to have a a sample group <laughs> where you can then start to pull friendships from and acquaintances and then nurture them. But as we get older, we don't have though, except we have a workplace, but with remote working, what happened is we lost that pool of which we can pull those connections from. And so one of the recommendations was doing exactly that to reach out to the connections you already have that might have fallen by the wayside, but that you still honor, not not just connecting for the sense of connecting, but to to reestablish them because um, the probability is, is that person was probably thinking the same thing and still has loving, kind thoughts but they're thinking, oh, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. And so taking that, um, you know, moving that locus of control so you can internalize it, which is where our power can come from and empowering ourselves and sending that text, making that phone call, sending that letter is very helpful. The other uh, recommendation was um, to, um, to do those little acts of kindness to strangers and, and starting conversations at the grocery store, um, starting uh, conversations when you're getting a coffee or just going into the community. Um, I try and do this all the time and I sometimes I feel like Dudley do right, you know, the do-gooder, you know, and sometimes it works out. I remember I was this lady wanted me to, um, well, I saw her struggling. She was carrying a box and she had a walker. So I said, can I help you? And she's like, I want to put those boxes near the coffee shop. 
um, for people to read the books in the boxes. And I thought, oh, they're probably going to think I'm dumping it and I could get in trouble. And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I, you know, I can't get, um, you know, a citation because I'm a state employee. <laughs> so all these thoughts are going through my head. I'm like, Allison, just take the box, put it where she wants to go. Just and if somebody asks you why you're dumping, you know, old books on this table in a box, um, explain yourself and just, you can, it'll be fine. And so sometimes we overthink it um, to the point where we don't do things. And it's sort of like, take yourself out of whatever the thoughts are and do it anyway. And, you know, it was a lovely exchange with this woman. She thanked me so much. I helped her do a couple of more things. And I left thinking, you know, just looking at myself and laughing, like how silly I am to take myself so seriously. Um, and she just needed, she wanted to drop off some books. And, you know, I also reminded her that she could do so at the public library. But, um, you know, for her, it's just she wanted people at the coffee shop to read these books. It was just a lovely, simple gesture that she needed help with. And so when we do these little things, um, we can learn and laugh at ourselves. We learn a little bit more about our foibles and accept them for what they are and let them go and just, you know, love the fact that we're able to be of service to others. And I follow Jennifer Gardner on Instagram and once in a while she'll be making lunch for her kids and she'll make a few extra lunch bags and she'll give them out in the neighborhood. And I love that. So once in a while I'll do that and it just makes me feel good, you know, and sometimes you can put like a little dollar, $5, whatever you have in there. You can put some Kleenex or some handy wipes, maybe some portable um, floss and uh, toothpaste that you get the, at the dollar store and like little mini care packages. And it might set you back a couple of dollars, but it could make that person's day. And those little acts of kindness can be anywhere that you so choose. It could be helping your neighbor bring their groceries to the shop. My neighbor was out of town and I live in a place where you have to get your trash um, bins off the street or you can get cited. So I pulled their trash bins in and, you know, it was just because I love my neighbor and I don't want them to get a citation. So just anything we do makes us feel a sense of connection and community. And it's, it just makes us feel better and makes us feel a part of. And as we get older, it's so important to increase that because the social isolation and the social connectedness is so important because that's what we find for, um, the uh, social well-being is what falls off first as people age. Thank you very much for that, Dr. Allison. That was beautiful. It is so true. Connection is so important. And uh, anyone else want to add to this conversation? Did that help uh, at all, Maggie? I love it. It's motivating. Um, Dr. Allison, just a quick funny. I, I'm not shy <laughs> connecting with strangers. And you brought back a memory, a kind of hilarious one. <laughs> one time I was in a very corporate, you know, environment in an elevator that was going up probably 25 floors. And there was one suited gentleman in there with me. And you know how people don't look at one another in the elevator. And there was this music blaring in there. And I <laughs> It was just weirdly uncomfortable. So I turned to him and asked him, would you like to dance? <laughs> anyway, you brought back that, that memory of, yeah, I'm, <laughs> but it was great. We both laughed the whole rest of the way up the elevator ride. And it was um, kind of powerful in a weird, warped little way. So yes, it was helpful. It affirmed my idea. And um, thank you for allowing me a little bit of time here. 
Thank you, Maggie, and we wish you a very happy birthday tomorrow. Doug, uh, did you want to say something? Yeah, I, I, I love the random acts of kindness thing. And it's something that I started doing myself. We have toll bridges here in Dublin where you have to pay, you know, a couple of euros or whatever just to go through. And what I started doing just for just I actually stole it off Wayne Dyer, Dr. Wayne Dyer. If anybody doesn't know him, he does fantastic books. He's dead now, but he made some uh, The Power of Intention and Wishes Fulfilled, two great books. And um, what I what I started doing is paying for the person behind me and just for fun. And quite often then, you know, the people behind look at you, you know, you can see them in the rear mirror kind of waving like crazy and stuff like that. And it's to pay it forward. So maybe that they'll do it to other people as well. I thought it was a great thing. And talking of Wayne Dyer, there's a great thing that he said in one of his books was um, he was living in Hawaii and this lady moved to Hawaii and she saw him and she was a big fan. She saw him in a supermarket. And she said, oh, Wayne, I'm such a big fan of yours. Um, I've just moved here from New York what are the people like in Hawaii? And he said, well, what are the people like in New York? And she said, oh, they're very busy and they don't seem to have time for you. And he said, well, unfortunately, they're a bit like that here as well. And she went, oh, and she walked off. And then about two or three weeks later, a different lady came up and she said, oh, wait, I'm a big fan of yours. Um, I've just moved here from Los Angeles. What are the people like here in Hawaii? And he said, well, what are they like in Los Angeles? She said, oh, they were loving and kind and they helpful and very community based. And he said, oh, yeah, they're exactly like that here as well. And his intention behind it was whatever you give out, you get back. And especially, I think the more you give without the intention of receiving, the universe picks up on that. And it's amazing how you get back. Whereas if you give with the expectation of receiving, the universe also picks up on that and then doesn't give back to you as well. So the acts of kindness and random kindness is such a beautiful thing. So just wanted to add that and thank you. I remember that story and I loved it for the very purpose that you gave it. Dr. Laura, I'm gonna turn the microphone over to you. Welcome. Hi, I was just gonna say that and his, his encapsulation, rest in peace, doctor, is that uh, the, when you change the way that you look at the world, the world that you look at changes. And also in addition to that, be careful who you ask for their opinion and their perspective. Because if you are not confident in yourself and allow yourself to have your own observation and you create your own data, generate your own data, then you may very well be skewed, as often data is. And I love, I love random acts of kindness. I, I, I propose conscious acts of kindness because if we're consciously choosing to make a difference, they may be methodolo methodolo method methodologically random. And you can have systemic, systematic randomization. The random someone shows up, absolutely. We have to make a conscious choice. I love that, Dr. Allison, is that Jennifer Gardner says she consciously chose to set out her day, to set out into the world with generosity and kindness rather than it happening after the fact. And if we could start our day with every intention, giving everyone else the benefit of the doubt that they're doing the best that they can, and so are we. And if the best that we can do is to have that conscious awareness of I am going to be positive. I'm not, I'm going to be positive. I am positive. I am positive. That's it. Thanks. This is Dr. Laura. I like that. I like that a lot. One thing I would like to add that to what you just said, Dr. Laura, though, I do believe, and I speak very highly of starting our day off with intention. Uh, but the thing is, we can't just say I'm doing the best I can. We have to really believe it. And we have to actually ask ourselves, am I doing the best I can? Am I doing the best I can? And if I'm not 
Why am I giving in to these self-limiting beliefs or whatever? Why am I not doing the best I can? So kick your butt into being the best you can. Start your day off deliberately and just say, today's going to be a fantastic day because I'm going to make it so. But what must I do to be that much better and that much stronger and that much healthier? That's all I wanted to add to that. So thank you so much for that. And um, yes, and Maggie, thanks for bringing that up in conversation. We wish you a happy birthday. And uh, and I, yeah, anything else that you wanted to add? No, love this group. Thank you. We appreciate you being here. Going to move you back into the audience. Going to welcome Glenn. Glenn, welcome, sir. And so nice to hear have you here on a Saturday. Yeah, you're hearing airport announcements behind me. Paul. Um, and I'm sorry, I'm just now getting here. You know what? Let me stop talking while this guy's finishing his announcements and I'll check back in in you a bet. minute. You bet. Yep. I know what those airport announcements are like, uh, having traveled a lot this year. So thank you. Um, Taze, uh, oh, wait a minute. I'm going to pull to refresh here. I think our next speaker was Pillar, who has just joined us again. Pillar and then over to Taze. Are you there, Pillar? Nope. Okay. Over to Taisy. Taisy. Hi, I'll keep it short because I know we're running out of time, but I had three big wins this I, week. I, I want to just stop you right there. Don't, don't hurry up because uh, we're going to take the time necessary, but Taisy, you take your time, girl. Oh God, thanks. I, I Thank you so much, everybody. What an amazing conversation you've already hit on it from different angles. Um, my question that I have today and Robert, that study from Harvard sounds on point. So if you could list that in the comments, just what the name of the study is, I want to take a look at it. Dr. Allison is always, thank you, thank you. Oh my gosh. Anyway, my three big awareness shifts this week were that I actually am being able to shift myself out of these misassumptions from childhood. You know, you're worthless, you're nothing, you're whatever. And I, I am aware of them coming in and I shift out. My internal voice has become very loving and supportive and I tear up when I say it, but just a sec. <laughs> And um, my goals that I set for myself, just a second, the goals that I set for myself can be adjusted and I have adjusted um, the letters that I'm writing to myself to just once a week or twice a week. They've been working. Just a minute. I got to, in the action area of um, cleaning out my house, I've been using a timer and that book, Atomic Habits, has really helped with that area of actually getting two things physically and moving and, and staying with it. My big revelatory moment this week was that if I give myself a beat, feel my feelings, register them, and then, like... Um, uh, you know, and just, and then with that moment, um, decide what action I want to take. But feeling those feelings actually makes it that I am more empathetic to whoever I'm dealing with at that time. And it's a, it's a huge shift for me. And I, I 
probably later than I should. I, I probably had it on some level, but anyway, I haven't, and it's and I really appreciate that. My question has been touched on in different ways, but I'm going to go ahead and paraphrase it quickly. Is I have this really difficult friend, and she's been a friend, not you, Maggie. <laughs> she's been a friend for 30 years, and uh, she's gotten more and more volatile as the years have gone on. And I want to, I saw a one minute blurb from Dr. Norman Freed on Instagram. I love his one minute um, pieces of knowledge. And Thank it you. was, <laughs> it was, um, don't, don't bolt, um, stay with your friend, communicate and, and work it out to another level, something like that. Okay. My, my tendency is to just walls up and bolt and I don't want to do that anymore. So I'm, that's what my question is. Advice. Well, I want to just, I just want to say it was just, I'm sorry to jump in. It was we have a tendency to banish people. That's it. That's it. And it's, it's really, it's really not the healthiest thing to do. I know that some of us want safety and security, but if we banish people, we really only hang an IV drip of anesthesia that numbs us until it wears off. Yeah. So can we, can we just talk to that a little bit is how to stay with that person, even though they're really difficult. And I, and I'm taking everything that was said today with, uh, you know, from, Dr. Allison, you know, I'm there and, and that Harvard study I want to get a uh, look at. But Dr. Norman, can you just speak to it a little bit how to be? I mean, she attacks and it's it's pretty rough. And how do how can I not banish because I have banished her and maybe her trust is now, you know, anyway. I, I, I don't know much of the story, but I, I, what I believe is that when, look, I'm not saying that we have to make it work with every relationship. There are times when, you know, the day before I posted that 60 second video, I posted a video about mindful anger and righteous rage. There are times when we need to uh, speak out against injustice and say this far and no further. Um, and, and so I, I my answer is somewhat relative to the situation. Um, I, I just know as a couples therapist that the opposite of over-involvement and enmeshment with someone is not cut off and banishment. Because when you cut somebody out of your life, you're expending as much energy keeping them away from you as you are talking to them every single day. There's a lot of dopamine that's involved in banishment. And so I, I, I believe that the middle ground is really the healthy because relationships are not linear, they're circular. So on one end of a linear relationship, cut off would be the opposite end of that linear relationship and that would be enmeshment. But if you put those two sides together in a circular way, they're at the same spot in the circle, which means the opposite of banishment is a neutral, disaffected posture of you are there, I am here, and I wish you well, and I pray for you, and I say hi when I see you. And that is probably the safest way to maintain the low, the least amount of, of psychic energy wasted between you and that person. 
I hope that helps. Yeah, that really helped. And I, and I have, we have kind of arrived at a new level of the relationship where it's kind of mutually respectful. We don't see each other as much. We occasionally plan something and, and go. So that really fits. And, and I realize now, okay, that I did make an adjustment and we are redefining the friendship and thank you because that really was affirming. Oh, uh, you're welcome. Good. I want to say one more thing about the topic, which is when you're with someone, you know, you're saying that you're having some connection and you're spending time together. Please always be mindful that when we use the word I in a sentence, it invokes intimacy, right? I is the first letter in the word intimate. And some people can take advantage of that. So if you're concerned about the boundaries and how close you want to get with someone, you might, and you find yourself sometimes tripping up and being hurt when you didn't expect to, you might want to use the word I less often with that person. You may want to speak in the third person. You may want to speak in terms of one would think as opposed to I think, I wish, I feel. Those are very, very important, essential statements in loving relationships that are healthy. But if this is a tortured or trauma-bonded relationship, it's wiser not to use the word I. You'll just discover the third person keeps you feeling safer. I want to jump in on um, this, Tazy. Um, I love what Dr. Norman shared. And I also want to talk about um, conflict resolution when we're dealing with these things. Some people, you know, Robert was talking about Daniel Goleman's you know, fast thinking, slow thinking. Some people want resolution in the immediate, immediately, and some people need that time to process as Viktor Frankl talked about, that in that pause is our growth and our freedom. And so when you have people with two different styles of reconciliation or ways to get to reconciliation, that's where a lot of conflict um, happens. It's like, don't, don't run away from me, stay here and let's talk this out. And some people are like, I need the time. I need to get away. I need that. I need to calm myself. I need to find my space, my pause. So I don't say things in the heat of anger. I don't come at you, you know, because when we've, we know the triggers or we've even installed the buttons <laughs> in ourselves and others, you know, we know how to push things. And so um, to set ground rules with friends is also important. This is the way I, I, I need space. I, so when we have a conflict, if I walk away, it doesn't mean I don't love you. I don't care for you. It means I need time to gather my thoughts, to calm myself down, to self-soothe and self-regulate so I can discuss this in a way that we can both hear each other, we can listen, we can be there for each other. And I think that the rules of engagement are so important in in these kind of conflicts. And, you know, for me and my family, we are very different. And I remember there was a time when um, I was accused of being isolatory because I need that time and that space to think about what happened and think about my part and my side of the street so that I don't project my issues upon what happened. And my family likes to get in and resolve things. And we were having this disconnect. And so when I was able to say, this is what I need, I need that pause, I need that moment to think, I can't do it in that moment when it comes to my family. Um, it changed everything. And so especially with long term friendships, and I have some friends I've had since middle school, 
who I love dearly. I mean, many, many, many years. And um, you don't realize how much stuff is there. Um, and I don't have these issues with them anymore. But I remember when something came up, I was staying with a friend in Hawaii and there were some issues and I kept just pushing him down because she wanted me to stay with her and I prefer a hotel, but she insisted. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I really should have just stayed in a hotel. I would feel so much more loving towards this person at this point. But, you know, and I thought to myself, take the pause and be so grateful that you're here with a childhood friend that you've had for decades um, and, and change the perception, change the perspective. Um, and so sometimes even the rules of engagement apply to the inner fights we have with ourselves. So anyway, that's my two cents. I'd love Thank to you so much. Uh, sorry, who was that? This is Dr. Laura, may I add to that? Yes, of course. I love these shares. And from a background in child development and family studies, we teach our children timeouts. And for every year, for every age, year of age, there's an additional minute that's added on to, added on to it. And then as, as children, as we grow, and even in school, very little after the kindergarten do we focus on works well with others, keeps hands to self, everything's on a page, a sheet, which is important because reading, writing, and arithmetic, absolutely 100%, we need it. At the same time, we don't have emotional intelligent classes as we're growing up. So then as adults, we engage in the saboteuring, activities, behavior that we learned worked well. For me, it was pleasing, people pleasing, and other people may have avoiding the conflict and such. So that I want to please you, or some people might, for example, avoid the conversation and I want to come on, please let me help. I want to make this right and I'm not going to do it. At the same time, when I've been taught how people are, how someone is, they've taught me how to treat them and I'm teaching them how to treat me. Instead, I need to take that time out as well. Why do we not think it's okay? I just need a timeout. I need to be alone instead of aggressing. And I do think many people do engage in timeouts for themselves as adults. And then absolutely, if we haven't learned how, learned how to then come back, we leave to then cleave and come back. In healthy relationships, we're able to pause, reflect, and communicate. And depending on so many factors, when we're children, do we, we taught that or we modeled it? And then do we continue practicing it? And with every single person, it's different. We're different with each interaction because it's a, it, it's not just me in the relationship unless I'm only focusing on myself and either then I'm not going to go into that. So then if we do take that pause and that time out, it's not a bad thing. It's actually quite healthy because I want to engage in interaction with you that will help me feel the best part of me. And if I'm not thinking the best that you possibly are, maybe maybe offering to the relationship without that contempt of you piece of nothing or the criticism and without the stonewalling or the defensiveness all the four horsemen from john gottman all of those if i can take a pause just for me so i can be the best for you certainly without ever thinking that anyone completely about myself then maybe we can come back together and have communication a conversation about how we can be the best together as not as one together. Thanks. Thank you. Taisy, did that help? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I do need to have a, um, a direct conversation with her about what happened in the past, because I know she's getting hurt from it. And it wasn't just a timeout for me. That was a 
that was a substantial year long, just like, ugh, I can't deal with it. Anyway, um, so I will apologize for that to her and speak to it directly. I love the idea of a timeout. For me, it's going to be, you know, an hour and some minutes, <laughs> which is good. I think it's really great. And I think we are more complex as adults. And I think I'll give myself that time. And I know that this is new territory for me to really stand up, be present, set boundaries, and approach, oh God, topics in defense of myself. I had anyway so um without being without attacking without banishing but being communicative but allowing for my needs as well so thank you thank you thank you and um i look forward to next week you guys are so good to me okay Thank you. Uh, you're good to us too, Taisy, and just a joy to have you in the room uh, with us every week. And we, we just love following you and hearing your successes. And uh, thank you for your vulnerability, for your shares, and just for your compassion and love. We thank you very much. All right. Um, so I'm just going to move you. Oh. Glenn? Yay. Hey, Paul. I wanted to try to offer a few words before and of course that's the cue for the guy to pick up the microphone again he's been quiet for five minutes all right um so i'm getting ready to get on a plane here in a matter of minutes to uh, fly to los angeles to do a talk it's a 24-hour turnaround my talk is first thing in the morning and then i will be back here in dallas tomorrow night but i want to offer just um, a couple of things first of all this this epiphany in the form of a short poem, two lines, that came to visit me, and I shared it last week. I want to share it again because I've recited it every day because it is such a true statement of the way I live my life. And frankly, I shared it with my students this week, and every one of them just basked in its beauty. And, and I've already gotten reports at what a difference it's making, and the line is this. And that it, it came to me on the road, and I write down my whispers whenever they come to me and uh, we were on the road back from Savannah when I heard this out of thin air. I live my life in such a way that tomorrow I'm proud of my yesterday. And I'll say it one more time because it's better without the radio backdrop. So, one sec. I live I live my life in such a way that tomorrow I'm proud of my yesterday. You know, bridging that gap between the choices we make today and the outcome we envision for ourselves tomorrow is so key because indeed there is a traceable relationship, profoundly traceable, hugely impactful between the decisions we're making today and this choice consequence cause and effect world and the outcomes that we envision for ourselves tomorrow. And so for me, and this is what my talk will be about this weekend, is about incongruencies and inconsistencies within us, things that counteract our good doing, our good deeds. So, you know, it's great that you drink water a few times a day, that's really great, but if you counteract that by drinking a half bottle of vodka every day, uh, you're counteracting the beauty of the kindness you were 
showing your body by drinking water and caretaking it. I remember years ago, I was on a set, um, and there's no judgment in this. It was purely an observation. It was an assessment, not a judgment. But I, I couldn't help but notice this man who was built like a Greek, a Greek god, and I won't mention his name, but he was one of the stars of the series. And he was doing lunges outside of his dressing room, performing these, you know, these uh, exercises. And he really was built beautifully. And then five minutes later, I walked back by the trailer and he was smoking and coughing, hacking immeasurably. And so this is what I mean about these, where do these two behaviors, where do they get together with one another? And this is, uh, to me, this is the tragedy of sabotage is, you know, on the one part, you've got this, this human that is deeply devoted to the wellness of the body, and in the same breath, or the next breath, you've got this, this other energy behaving in a way that is deeply detrimental uh, to the body. And so, the goal in our school, and what we talk about a lot, is the same pageness of life, when we basically survey the multiplicity of selves and decide, finally, finally, to get on the same page in a way that produces a harmonious condition so that ourselves are acting in a complementary way with the efforts of one another instead of in a way that marks an undoing. I'm Glenn and I'm done sharing. Have a beautiful Saturday, everyone. I'm off to LA, then off to Atlanta, then off to Atlanta, I mean to Orlando and from there to uh, Atlanta again and Amsterdam all within the next 10 days. So it's a busy time of travel. Love you all, have a beautiful weekend. Yeah, thank you so much, Glenn. And um, I'm going to be in Dallas, actually, Tuesday and Wednesday. And I knew that your schedule was such that I'm going to miss you this time around. But um, I'll make sure to to join you at some point. Wow, I'm flying out of Dallas Tuesday morning, Paul. And I'm arriving. Tuesday morning. Yeah, and I'm arriving (laughs) Tuesday morning. (laughs) All right. Thank you. And uh, yes, that guy over the PA, I think he wanted to be a disc jockey or something. I think he's trying to participate in the sabotage room. That's what I think. (laughs) Well, he's doing a good job of it. All right. So thank you. Taisy, did that um, help you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, have a great week, everybody. I'll see you soon. Uh, you too. And thank you very much uh, for joining us again this week. Um, Peeler, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. I tried reaching you a little bit earlier. Are you there? Pillar? All right. Pillar may... might be Pilar. Pilar? Okay. Thank you. Pilar? Nope. Still no response, but thank you. And all right, we're going to go. Oh, there I am. Oh. Sorry. So sorry. I couldn't, I could not find the freaking button. Oh, that's <laughs> happened to me before too. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, this has been a great room and I, uh, have, I've been coming to this room for quite a while and, um, but I just listen. And so, and usually when people invite me up, I don't. So thank you for whoever invited me up. Um, I, uh, just stop the car because I'm in the car. Um, so when we, we were talking, this is the, the name of this room is so great as well. And people were talking about um, self-sabotage. And I realized some, something about what I do. Um, I'm getting ready to hand my taxes in to my accountant. And I have been procrastinating. 
And there is a part of me that is scared of numbers, even though I was really good as a kid at numbers. I mean, I, I memorized so many things. Um, and um, I'm an actor, so I memorize a lot. And I also memorized numbers when I was a kid. And I realized as someone was speaking that there is a part of me that doesn't think that I can do it. And so that's why I procrastinate. And I put myself in this sort of shame box. Um, and it was just very interesting what uh, Glenn Morshower said earlier because it that can also apply to thoughts. So, you know, I have a spiritual practice and um, I get on a call every morning at 6 a.m. here in Los Angeles and it's a spiritual thing. It's about 15 minutes and it's really wonderful. And then I start, at some point, I start poo-pooing myself. And I'm like, you are really self-sabotaging. And it also comes from, I think it also has to do with the fact that um, I'm a Latina and um, I was brought up in a certain way. And um, I mean, I was given absolutely everything, but it was sort of like, well, you know, you're going to get married and you'll be supported. And I have, I tried that, didn't work. And um, and so there's a part of me that thinks, oh, oh, you can't do that. Why are you even thinking that you can do that? But then there's the higher self in me that goes, yes, you can for crying out loud. And so I get stuck. And that's where I am at this moment. And it feels really scary to admit that because I'm a grown-ass woman. But I just... I wanted to throw that out there because I'm sure, I'm hoping I'm not the only person. Um, so I just wanted to say that. Thanks for listening. You're not alone. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, we're going to open it to the panel first. And uh, thank you for that. You're not alone. Uh, you're not alone. People struggle with that a lot. Any one of my moderators want to start the conversation off? I'd like to. I I absolutely no you're not alone i've oh sorry uh, lovely sure. let me just ask my my panel first and then we'll get you to join okay um anyone in my panel if they don't want to i'll go right over to you um dr laura you are not alone and that's the judge and considering that we come out of the shoot and we are a total sponge we rely on our parents to give to us and they're doing the best that they can with the tools that they got we are molded into who they want us to be and then to conform to that and then to of course we're told who do you think you are you're not enough and to sabotage is normal because that's how we survived as children we are able we're, we develop and i'll make this i'm going to go in the next 20 seconds we develop that which worked for us as very young children in order to survive when we are surrounded by these omnipotent or what we think are large figures, adults, firefighters, police officers, parents who provide for us everything and we rely upon that in order to survive. I could go into, I'm going to let other people speak because this could be a, a real monologue. I don't want that. Thanks so much. I, I wanted to Thank you, Dr. Allison. Sorry, Paul. No, that, I, I was just uh, opening the mic to you. Dr. Allison, I was just going to yeah. invite you to speak. Yeah. yeah, it was okay. I just hit the wrong button. So, um, I just want to share a, a very brief story. Um, I had gone, I was, I was living in Hollywood at the time. I was very, very young. 
and very naive. And I went to an H&R block to do my taxes. And the woman was obviously intoxicated and was looking a little frowsy, but I was feeling very people pleasing at the time. And I didn't say anything. And about six weeks later, I get a letter from the federal government saying that I am to report to the federal building on Olympic Boulevard in Los Angeles um, to be audited. And I panicked. I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I, I mean, panicked. And I remember that day uh, I called up the H&R block and I, I said, um, you know, this happened. And the, the gentleman said, we're going to send somebody, you'll be fine. So I get there. I dressed the most angelically I possibly could. And I had my hair all long and flowy. And the gentleman they sent was, you know, overdressed for a very hot Los Angeles day. So he was wearing a wool jacket and he was sweating profusely and he did not know anything of what was going on and he said he was going to kick me under the table if i said anything and i made me panic more so i went into the stall in the ladies room and i just started breathing and i thought okay i need to calm myself down i need to soothe myself uh you know everything's going to be fine i'm just going to say the truth and the truth was the lady made a $4,500 mistake she entered the information in the wrong area and when I just decided to make it as simple as possible, everything worked out absolutely fine. In fact, they, the IRS agent made her, um, the company pay all the fees and penalties and I just had to pay some nominal taxes. Sometimes we, we overthink things, we doubt ourselves, um, you know, and the, the, Truth was, I went to somebody who I thought was a professional who knew how to do their job. And for the most part, most people know how to do their job. And when you go back to them, they'll fix it. Um, but what happens is that we want to present the most perfect part of ourselves to to others. And, you know, when we give um, ourselves the ability to be vulnerable and to not know and to say, I don't know how to do this. Can you help me? Um, it goes back to the Thich Nhat Hanh, you know can you help me? Um, which was, I think, mantra number four. Uh, I don't know this. Um, it's, it's very, um, in, in America, the United States, we are a do-it-yourself kind of country, you know, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, do it yourself. You know, it's the entrepreneur hustle, hustle more. Um, and sometimes we forget to teach our children ourselves, um, that it's okay to ask for help. We don't need to be all knowing and, and all doing. Um, and that's where we lose that sense of community and the sense of being able to reach out to others. And so Pilar, I just want to say that I completely understand where you come from in the, the self judgment and the, um, you know, the wanting to just do it and, and have it done, um, perfectly and wonderfully. And, um, and sometimes it's okay to, you know, I think in Zen, um, it's the beginner's mind, you know, I love being the beginner, because then all I have to do is learn and grow and develop. Thank you, Dr. Allison. Um, anyone else? Yeah, thank can you I so speak? much. Appreciate it. Thank you, Dr. Allison. Um, I'd love to speak. Uh, can I? Absolutely. There you go, doctor. I, by the way, I just wanted to say, um, if you notice, I just changed my picture. You can see that uh, that's a picture of me and my buddy Paul at dinner last night. Um, hope you guys, hope you don't mind that, Paul. Love it. Anyway, what I wanted to say, 
<laughs> what I wanted to say was, Pilar, that when we say to ourselves, um, you know, I'm not good enough, I should have done better, et cetera, et cetera, it's, it's really, um, it's, it's shame-based, right? Um, and, and what's the problem is every one of us has that sense of shame and it, it becomes our secret. What's so beautiful about what you're doing, Pilar, is that you're not keeping it a secret, right? You're sharing it with us. It's so important that we do that because we don't want that sense of shame or, or not really liking ourselves enough to have a hold on us. We, we become afraid to grow and we are self-loathing and we say, if you knew me, if you really knew me, you'd feel differently about me. But that's just not true. So what you're doing is you're sharing with us, with the outside world, those that hopefully can give you love in return, something that you've been holding inside. This is the work of, of, of growth. This is the work of therapy. This is the work of intimate dialogue with close friends. Because when we express how we feel and we're witnessed by a compassionate somebody, and in the embrace of acceptance or security, what happens is we go from feeling trapped to feeling embraced. And I hope that this experience has given you a chance to feel embraced. You're getting confirmation from others that they too are in the same situation. You are in good company. We are all human beings that carry within us something of a, we perceive a secret. And it's not really a secret because life has a way of forcing us to grow and let it out. So you're letting it out and you're not any more impaired than any of us. And when someone has a, a way of making you feel a certain way, think again, release that, free yourself from the self-doubt, allow yourself to be embraced, not entrapped. Oh, I love that too. Thank you for that. Um, wow. That was, that was, thank you. Thank you so much. You're most welcome. And you're I, welcome. I, I Sorry, I'm jumping over everybody. Go ahead, Dr. No. no I was saying you're welcome, Pilar. Um, I think Lovely wanted to add something. Did you want to add something as well? I, I'm, what Dr. Fried said was, was really at the heart of where I would have loved to have gone. I, I know that throughout this conversation, there's been a couple of times when there's been some self-blame. One of the things that's helped me a great deal is to realize that I'm frequently the one keeping myself in jail and that forgiveness will let me out of there. And so for the, you know, the times that, that life trips us up, um, the quicker I can forgive myself and come back to the moment and be available, the better. So I'll leave it at that. Thank you so much for making this space all really fantastic room. Well, thank you so much. And uh, Pillar, did that, uh, did all this help? It does. And I just want to say something because it's so, it's so funny. When I first came on, I was, and, and you, you, um, you called me Pillar and it's Pilar and that's totally fine. <laughs> um, because a lot of people just, they don't get my name at the beginning. And I was desperately going, trying to look for the button. And I kept, because it's been so long since I've been in, on Clubhouse, because I, I used to just be here all the time. And then I, I got out of the, the, the custom of coming on, and um, I'm starting to come back. And what I was doing was that I was pressing on my photo instead of the actual mic. And it was really funny, because it just made me, it made me laugh, because I realized... There are times like when I'm on Zoom and, and somebody's sitting there go, oh, I can't find the 
button. And they're like, oh, God, it's over on the left. And, you know, you've heard it so many times. And I realized, wow, I was right where that person who I've, you know, I've, that, I've heard that conversation, and I was judging. And how many times in my life have I judged myself for something so innocuous as numbers? And so I'm just so grateful that I got to tell on myself today and to be able to say, hey, you know what? Guess what? You don't have to do this life, this thing called life perfectly, but you, it does help if you open your mouth and say, I don't really know how to do this thing called life perfectly. So I'm, you know, so grateful that I finally learned again to push the button and that it's like, it's just practice. It's not rocket science. It's just, just getting there. So thank you. So, Pilar, I want to say something to that very quickly. You know that I'm a Jungian, Freudian kind of thinker. And I appreciate that from a a neurological perspective, you say you forgot how to unmute the button. But from from a more analytic perspective, you were pressing your finger on your face when you were called Pillar. And maybe it's because in some unconscious way, you know, you are indeed a pillar of the person you're becoming as well as Pilar, the person you are. Okay, now the waterworks are coming. <laughs> that, that's, that's what I'm good at, Pilar. But remember, we are, there are no coincidences and there are so many unconscious experiences that are happening. There are signs perhaps from somewhere. And they're confirming that you're exactly where you need to be. You are both Pilar, but you have also always been a pillar of who Pilar is. Wow. Paul. Wow. Yeah. Pilar, sorry. That's just incredible. Good job. (laughs) I love this conversation. Michelle. We love Dr. Norman. Yes, we do, don't we? And Dr. Norman, I hope you don't mind that I put your picture up in my profile. I, I don't I don't see it yet, but I'll wait. Full, <laughs> full refresh. It's really wonderful. Uh, uh, ah, yes, there it is. There it is. Yeah, that's a good picture. It's a great picture. We both take good pictures there. Uh, this has been a great uh, conversation. And Pilar, I am sorry that I got your name wrong, but I do that often. But um, forgive me. Uh, and thank you for coming up and for sharing that. Did that help at all? Please, does the Pope work on Sundays? Yeah, apparently he does, yeah. That was amazing. That was amazing. And thank you, everyone who shared and who spoke, and even earlier, because it just, you know, and I forget that. It's a community. I'm not in isolation. I don't have to figure all this out by myself, and I don't even have to figure it all out today. That's the great thing about it. I can just kind of be gentle with myself. So thank you. Thank you so much, Paul. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I'm just going to move you back into the audience, but please do join us next week. I, before I go to Lovely, um, I just want to say this, is that we're so similar. People are more similar than they are different. And I say this when in my opening uh, monologue But I just want to remind people that, yes, how we start our day is of great importance. If we choose to start our day with intention, as opposed to just letting it unfold by chance, we have a much greater chance of 
uh, a much greater uh, possibility of having it work out that much better. And when you start your day off with intention, you take a few moments to really go into your gratitude, what you're grateful for. And I know that Michelle and other wonderful people on this app have a gratitude room that they run every day. Amazing. But this is what we ought to be doing for ourselves as well. I truly believe that when you wake up, you, number one, you woke up. So <laughs> you're on a good start. You didn't pass away during the night. So you, you, you've got some breath left in you. What are you thankful for? Take a few moments. You're thankful for your health. You're thankful for your family, your love, shelter, whatever it is. Take a few moments and then deliberately choose what your attitude to wear that day. We go into the closet and we pull out a shirt, pants, dress, whatever it is that we're going to be wearing that day. And we make sure that we get all ready, you know, like uh, we wash our hair, put our makeup on, whatever it is. How many of us actually go into the closet of our attitudes and what we want to bring to the world and just say, you know, I'm going to pick this garment of faith. I'm going to pick this garment of love. I'm going to pick this garment of servitude. And this is what I'm going to wear today. I'm going to wear this. And so I have now worn that on my internal soul. This is it. Uh, not only am I clothed for the outside world, I am clothed for the inside world because I've chosen to show up in this world uh, with hope, faith, gratitude, everything else. It only takes a few moments. And then remind yourself every once in a while how great you are. And if you are great, if you're not, then do the work to get yourself to where you need to be. Because not everybody is going to be that loving and that, you know, that, that gracious or whatever it is. And some people really do have to examine their lives to see where they are. As Robert has, has told us many, many times before, it's time to examine where you are in this world. Take some time to just say, where am I with this relationship? Where am I with this job? Where am I with my, my health, with my mental wellness? And truly be, be honest with yourself, brutally honest. Wow, I messed up on that relationship. I really, if I were that person, having dealt with me, I'd be offended. So what must I do to repair that bridge? I must, uh, number one, I must ask for forgiveness. And then I must, as Lovely said, forgive myself. And so all these things are, are within our grasp every day to do. It only takes five minutes. Oh, sometimes like that, examining your life, I would suggest that you take uh, an hour uh, on a weekend to just take a piece of paper and a pen. Where are you now? Where do you want to be? Uh, what is working in your life? What's not working in your life? And then just write it down and take a look at that list. Are there toxic people on that list that need to be eliminated from your life? Are they pulling you down? Are there conversations that you need to have? Is there a, uh, do you have to start exercising more? Do you have to start just being part of the community more? All those things. Anyways, I don't want to go on too much longer because I've kept you here for so long, but I want to turn the microphone over to Lovely. Over to you, sir. Thank you so much, Paul. I, um, I 
respect what you do here because every single morning for the last 454 days, I've created a room here in Clubhouse starting at 6.30 Eastern. I read A Course in Miracles, a book that is a good spiritual guide that uh, welcomes a lot of different religions and uh, keeps a really open mind. But essentially what I've done is, as a practice, created a virtual space for people to talk about themselves, the challenges they're going through in the context of this course. And it's very Jungian, 12-step uh, kind of um, base practice, but expanded into 365 lessons that helps you really gain a level of mind control so that you can guide the consciousness that you're going through. And sometimes we call it the ego, but really what we're talking about in my room is, is how a higher power can show up in your life and give you a practical way through. And so from my perspective, it's changed my life incredibly. I've uh, moved out from the place that I was living before and it was an unhealthy space. I'm living in my own space now. I've had new loved ones come into my life. My father shows up every morning there as does a coach and a guy who wrote one Lovely. of the- I'm, I'm, of I'm, just, I, 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 I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to interrupt you there. Yeah, we, we don't do too much promotion in this room. We just I'm wanna- Sorry, I, I wasn't, that's okay. I, wasn't trying to, I, I was just trying to say that, that, that as a practice, that has been really fundamental. It's helped me find that forgiveness and some of the other things that I talked about and I, it, it helped me show up here. So sorry about the promotion. I really was, was just trying to really focus on the practice part of showing up daily and doing something and the dividends that it's paid. All right, no, no and I appreciate that. So um, my apologies if I misunderstood, but um, uh, Michelle, did you want to say something before yeah, I? I did, I, I wrote to Lee in the back channel, but I can remember when I was first in Clubhouse, when, when Lee first came in and you know, Lee, I just want to say I hear vim and vigor I, um, and, and a sense of purpose and connection uh, and I, I know that that's like a transformation even from where you were when you first came in these rooms. And so I just want to just acknowledge that and say um, that I think it's fabulous. And I do thank you for bringing up A Course in Miracles because it's such an interesting body of work and so profound that I actually haven't even finished reading it. And I started it years ago. And that's what the book says. It's required reading. It doesn't matter how long it takes just that you do it. Uh, and just, I hope that you'll keep um, bringing value to yourself and, you know, practicing putting yourself first. And and um, it sounds like you're doing that and that you have a great support group around you. To have your father there, that's super huge. Um, and a coach, also super huge. So just reflecting back a little appreciation for what I've seen between then and now. Mike, back to you, Paul. Thank you so much. And thank you, lovely. Um, so Lee, thanks for joining us very much. And uh, please come back next week. And we'd love to have you back. All right, everyone, we've come to the end of the room uh, for today. We've gone a little bit over time. I apologize, but there's been some great conversation. It has been amazing. And I've been reading some of the back channels and it's just wonderful. I want to thank each and every one of my moderators uh, who join us every week and who just give of themselves. Thank you guys so much. And for every one of the speakers who came up here today, who had shared and who opened up and asked questions, thank you very much as well. Because without you, we wouldn't have much of a room and it wouldn't be as, as amazing. And for everyone who's been in the listening lounge, giving your time 
your non-refundable gift of your time. I thank you very much. As we close off this room, I'm going to turn it over to any one of my moderators who have any last thoughts that they want to share. And then I'm going to turn it over to Michelle to close the room. So anyone want to add anything before we close the room? Okay, Michelle. Well, I just add one thing since I am going to play. I just wanted to say that I'm very honored to be in this room today because there, it just was a, a very trusting um, and rich room in which people really were authentic and came from the heart and made a huge difference uh, for me. And so I want to thank everyone who participated uh, because I think this is exactly why we hold this room because I really feel like it made, made a massive difference today. So thank you to everyone for holding space. Thank you for however you participated. Michelle, Michelle, thank you very much for that. And I just want to I just looked, I pulled to refresh and um, everybody's profile pr pictures pretty much changed. So thank you guys for that. Um, <laughs> that's beautiful. Um, yeah, it's been an absolute joy meeting Dr. Norman yesterday. And, and I'm just going to say this again, because he's such a great man and so interesting and so engaging and uh, one of the greatest dinners I've had in a long, long time. So thank you very much for that. And I encourage every one of you to reach out to people, uh, as has been said there in, in the room resets, reach out to people you don't know, start conversations offline. You never know what's gonna happen. You may get your profile picture taken with Dr. Norman. <laughs> thank you guys, everyone. Hey, Robert, yeah, just wanted to just uh, thank you. I just wanted to uh, mention that Casey had asked about uh, the Harvard study. And so for anyone that's interested, I read that about six or seven years ago. I don't remember the title of it, but I, what I seem to recall, it was called Difficult Conversations, I think was either in the title or the subtitle of the study. So that's uh, what I remember. So again, it was Harvard and it was, uh, I, think, I think it was published in the 2000s, like uh, 2005, 2006 or whatever. As I said, I read it about uh, maybe five or six, maybe seven years ago. Anyhow, again, about this room today, it was truly marvelous. Uh, I thought it was just uh, phenomenal. And uh, so uh, anyway, back to you, bro. Thank you, it was a stellar room. So thank you very much. All right, Michelle, over to you. And thanks again, everyone. There we go. I was going to play somewhere by Barbara Streisand because it's just such a phenomenal song. But this song um, has a little more triumph to it, and I heard some triumph today. And so I'm going to play this song. It's by Leah Michelle. She has a gorgeous voice. So I hope you guys will listen to the words and listen to the passion and take it with you into the day. It's time to leave it all behind. It's time to pick up the pieces of After all my petals fall, I can finally find beauty beneath once and for all. I spent way too long judging myself, gunning from truth into someone else's arms, but I'm done. The battle's begun, the battle's begun. There's fire in me, deep down in my veins, there's clouds in my head, they're not gonna rain, there's fire in my heart. There's hope in my eyes, there's hope in my 
that's it. Anything's possible. We can all find the possibilities within ourselves. Thanks, Mike. Back to you, Paul. Oh, I love it. Yes, anything is possible. Tears on the floor. I love it. Okay, everyone, go on out there, live your lives deliberately, and remember, you always have support. And there's always somebody out there that you can turn to and you can always join us in this room with these fabulous moderators and listen to these great conversations. Going to close the room in five seconds. So everyone unmute and let's say our goodbyes. This room will close in five, four, three, two, one. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another insightful episode. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave your comments. For more information, check out our website at www.inspireus.ca. Remember, it's not what happens to us that matters most. It's how we respond to what happens to us that does. Stay strong and resilient. 